Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. Welcome back to the Time Sneak Anime Podcast, where the rules are made up and the deadlines don't matter. Yeah, the, we are we are totally <laughs> aware of the fact that this is uh, way behind schedule. I would say it's only like a week or two behind schedule because yeah. like the bleed over. Yeah, that's seasons. true. That is very true. Anyway, I am Rex and this is my co-host Jay. How's it going, everybody? And we are talking about the, the whole of spring 2019. Yeah, more or less just our kind of impressions on some of the shows, how they concluded, our like our ratings of those shows and we're just going to be kind of breaking it down and just kind of talking about what a really just a whelming season that uh spring 2019 yeah. was like spring 2019 was not a bad season don't get me wrong there just wasn't a whole lot last season that was like super good i we've we've talked about that kind of ad nauseum every other anti-tuber has kind of talked about it ad nauseum but yeah, we're just here to kind of talk about the shows themselves, what we liked, what we didn't, and ultimately what our favorite shows and stuff from this season were. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I couldn't think of any like big show this season when I was watching it that I was like I had to watch it. Like, like there's sometimes when I'm watching something, like I, I have to watch it. Like as soon as it comes out. Yeah, like oh my god, this new episode is out. We need uh, to watch it immediately. I guess Demon Slayer, kind of. Yeah, Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer was kind of like the blockbuster of this season. I mean, also Fruits Basket, which are yeah, coincidentally I, two core se- series, so. Um, so we got, we got one thing to get out, really, uh, out of the way really quick is um, JoJo, Joseph's Adventure Golden Wind. Uh, we're not going to be talking about today because we're doing a whole separate video talking about the entirety of uh, the Golden Wind arc. Yeah, it's gonna. We're probably gonna strap in for into that for quite a while. Like, I don't know exactly how long we're going to. There's act. a lot to talk about. There that, is quite that, a bit to dissect. It, it would be too series. much for this one video. Yeah. Also, the finale is not out yet. So. Yeah, the finale is not out yet as we are recording, but it should be coming out yeah. soon, and we'll be talking about that once it's finally out. But getting into the reviews of Spring 2019, we are starting off with Attack on Titan Season Three Part Two. Okay, let's get this out of the way. This has to be, like, the best part of Attack on Titan so far, right? Uh, the best is... Subjective? Subjective, yeah. Because I know a lot of people like the first season the best. Hmm. Um, like, I'm, I mean, in regards to, like, plot, character development, stuff like that. I like it the most. I agree. I'd say, say that. Like, in my opinion, I think this is the best. Because... The first season, as hype as it was, it was kind of lacking on plot elements, character developments. Most of the characters were pretty one-note, especially when you look back. It kind of... Uh, Titan as a series as a whole, I think, has has had to kind of take a while to really get into, like, the serious stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just uh, insert all the clips of uh, Aaron... Just to be like kill the titan, kill all the titan, kill the titan, kill the titan. Like probably just cue like the doom music while he's yeah. running, like flying. Mikasa around. was like, "I'm gonna protect Aaron, and Armin is. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm smart. Yeah. I'm also incredibly weak, but I try really hard. Don't forget about me." But uh, this final season, I have made a mistake of starting to read the manga while I was in the middle of the show. Cause like uh, I ra- uh, I got up to the point where they were about to go into the basement 
Yeah. In the in the manga before the season started. Started watching the season, and then uh, I, I heard something really interesting happened. So I started reading ahead while the season of, of this anime was still going, and then I like never got around to watching the last five episodes. Yeah. I read it already. <laughs> yeah, I like I had never read the manga. I wasn't going to really spoil myself on that just yet. I don't know if I actually plan on reading the manga, like because I'm already just having such a good time with the series, and it seems like Attack on Titan's already been con- been confirmed for its conclusion. It's final yeah. season next year, so I don't really see a point. Yeah, it's, really. it's relatively it's going to end relatively soon. Exactly. Um. So yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with this season. Like this part in particular has been has done wonders for like like I said earlier already character building, plot progression, stuff like that. A lot of huge realizations yeah the the realization that this island that they're on is just a tiny part of the world yeah (laughs) it is just isolated and alone and figuring out just the thing about this that we got to get out that we got to kind of get out of the way they're basically in a world that isn't too unlike nazi germany we probably have brought this up the parallels are all there like but it's still something that does need to be addressed to some degree, and some people have taken that to mean, oh, the author is the author is like a prejudiced, uh. all stuff like that. And I don't know the author's personal beliefs. Um, from a from a storytelling standpoint, I would say that this all makes sense because it's all about like just the cycle of war, death, bloodshed, oppression, people rising up against their oppressors and fighting back, and just. How it just is a constant cycle that just keeps repeating over and over and over again. It just never seems to end. Because it's revealed that the Eldians are were basically this massive empire. And I say massive kind of literally because they were the original <laughs> Titans. But Yeah, the the series originally started as like a survival horror, it felt like. Yeah. And now it's like this grand war. Yeah, a war drawing. Yeah, yeah exactly. it, was, it, it almost feels like it's changed genres yeah at the course of the show and this like i will say uh without spoiling anything this is like the jumping point pretty mm-hmm. much where it's starting it's gonna start to get really crazy <laughs> would you say it jumped the shark no 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 okay it, it's it stayed good and the, and the quality is good but it's it it jumps genres like it's so it's gonna be a system shock for a lot of people and yeah this point in particular like I'd say that season two was kind of a good uh, transitionary period into this genre, into this, uh, into this arc because it started delving into the more like personal matters and sort of like the themes I think that it's going for for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And like the first part of this season, so season three, part one, it's really obnoxious saying that, but still it kind of delved more into like the people fighting other people. So I'd say that it was kind of a somewhat like when you... Like when you're experiencing it, it doesn't really feel like too jarring of it. I think, like I think, I'd yeah, say it's like that a it's, slow, gradual progression. Yeah, it feels mm-hmm. it feels pretty natural, and it's pretty good storytelling. I don't think it like ridiculously changed genres or anything too quickly. But so I want to talk about my favorite part of this core. Yeah, core. Yeah, core episodes. Uh, or wasn't like ten episodes. Yeah, but yeah. we're we're just gonna call it. Um, it was this core. The part with Erwin, right? Yes. Yes. Just the the part where he... Uh, He's basically trying to convince a bunch of people to just march yeah, into just death. Yeah, just that, that voice actor and the script 
uh, and like the the no music in the background and everything was just done so perfectly because you see this Erwin uh, who is uh, and I say with no hesitation a monster mm-hmm. of a person uh, like he he is not a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see him giving this speech to people saying essentially you have dreams you have lives you know you have families back at home they're gone you're gonna die so if you're gonna die you might as well go out there in a blaze of glory mm-hmm. and just that oh that whole the whole um yeah speech has left me shaking yeah exactly and just like the the choice between saving Armin and saving Erwin, like and oh, just yeah. basically levi being the one to give his friend permission to die like and telling him that it's like basically you lead them all to die i'll be the one to carry everything through basically saying i'll be the one to bear your suffering and the legacy you've left behind going forward it's a it's about as meaningful of a like a sentiment as you can get from levi it was something i legitimately was not expecting because from a character who has usually been so seemingly cold cynical and jaded but has in the past shown, like, there is still a human beneath that. And yeah, like his interactions with Kenny. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, this was just a really good, a really good season. And that final scene, when they're just overlooking the ocean, and Aaron is just kind of a, a broken person, really. Because he realizes, well, we, it's like we finally achieved our dreams or we've done what we've always wanted to do see the ocean see that the world is much bigger but now that we're here now what yeah exactly it's just it's it's such a like a hollow feeling and especially because he realizes on the other side of that ocean there's just going to be more pain ahead like just because he reached his dream doesn't mean that everything's fixed in fact the pain is just beginning mm-hmm. it's that's, that's a really good way to put it <laughs> like it's a it's to borrow a quote from an album, it's uh, when all your when all your wishes are granted, many of your dreams will be destroyed, and I'd say that's a pretty apt way of describing it because he got his wish to see the ocean, but now his dreams of like actually living a peaceful life are just non-existent at this point. I, I think it does a really good job of putting the audience in that feeling too. Yeah, of because because in the beginning of the series. The, like way back in season one they're like yeah we're gonna find the we're gonna go see the ocean and they should have flashbacks on their kids and this has been the one thing we've been watching them fight for this entire time like freedom like yeah and it's just like it, it, like you said now that they get there and there's still more it, like we don't uh the whole fight against the beast titan beforehand it felt like that was the final boss like that was the last thing standing between them and the ocean and, and finally being free of being killed by titans mm-hmm. and now they don't, titans aren't really a problem anymore <laughs> yeah because they have re- they not only reclaimed the entirety of wall maria they had destroyed they had killed a bunch of the titans that were out in the wastelands yeah. so to speak and they finally like after a couple of years i think or maybe a year and a half or something finally reached the ocean it's just it's such a hollow, like, kind of depressing, really, episode. Because it's sort of... It is just really bleak yeah. and how it ends. I love that's the note they ended on, though. Absolutely. It's it's about... Because now it just leaves the audience kind of wanting more and figuring out, well, how are they going to solve this problem? Like, it's just... Like, after all this build-up, you finally are just one left wondering, well, shit, now what? And So... Final scores. Well, what would you give this? This, I would uh, give, this Attack on Titan Season 3 Part 2. I would give this a solid 9. You like, like it that much? I do. I think <laughs> I think it was... 
I think it was one of the better entries in this series as a whole. Like, I'd say the animation was pretty damn top-notch, except for some awkward clunkiness from the Colossal Titan, but that aside, there was some really good animation, some incredible storytelling moments, and just a lot of really good thematic stuff. It just kind of... Looking back, you realize how much this series has evolved and grown, and it's kind of a nice feeling looking back on it. So I'd say yeah, without... I'd say yeah, a nine for me. How about yourself? I feel like I'd give it an eight and a half. Eight and a half, 8. huh? Eight point five, yeah. I, I I agree with everything you've said to a slightly lesser extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. That's totally fine. Tastes are subjective, after all. We're we get along here, so we're not going to start accusing each other of saying our tastes are. Yeah, shit. my taste is better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, piss off. Anyway, so on to the next show, Bungo Stray Dog Season 3. This was a really good follow-up to a really fun show, I'd say. Like, uh, I don't think it was any... Like, I don't think this series has ever been, like, anything, like, absolutely amazing or groundbreaking. It's just been a really fun, really creative action series. Yeah, I I really like this, ser- this season, but I think I liked it less than the previous one. Or... I, I, I think the climax wasn't as good as the previous climax. I'd say that's pretty fair, because it's kind of hard to beat that fight between yeah. Akutagawa, Atsushi, and Fitzgerald. Because that was just such a, for one, beautifully animated sequence, and it was just such a it was just such a cool setup and it resolved really cool mm. nicely. Uh I liked the flashback, I think it was my favorite part of this entire season. Mm-hmm. The, the the Back with the young Dazai and young Chuya. Oh yeah, seeing how they fought, how they all fought together and stuff like that, and how they kind of became, like, the begrudging allies. And sort of how it's setting up to like, Atsushi and uh, Akutagawa being the new, like, Chuya and Dazai. Yeah, because uh, as we learned later in the season, it was originally the boss and um, the, the, the Port Mafia boss and the Armed Detective Agency boss were, like, the original duo. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of been, like, that's kind of been, like, a, a progressive theme throughout this entire series. And that's actually really cool. I hadn't even considered that. That's a really clever way of kind of, like, hinting at that theming throughout this entire... There's always been a pair. Yeah, there's always been two. The rule of two. <laughs> Let's not make in shitty Star Wars references. Sorry for that. Uh, but seriously, it's... I really like this. I think Fyodor was an completely freaking nuts protect i mean antagonist did we ever figure out what his gift was i don't basically he touches somebody's head and they explode we don't know the entirety of what it is like i think it has something even, to do with reworking their their brain even well even dazai like doesn't know like yeah Dazai'd, but the we we know he managed to uh, mind control or at least mind alter the the, the, the guy who had the what was it blood something blood powers or yeah something like powers that. i don't remember it was it was one of their guild members mm, yeah uh, that's right uh he was, a, he was able to make him attack yeah we don't entirely yeah we don't really entirely know though what his abilities are like they're still largely a mystery and that's what i think kind of makes him so intimidating because the only reason that dazai was able to figure out where he was in the end was because of the help of fitzgerald like and Fitzger- like I think that well, was actually 
Fitzgerald's money. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was kind of hilarious how they resolved that whole thing. Like, they brought in Fitzgerald, and at the time, it was just like, oh, man, we get to see this cool character in action. And it was cool, but it was they kind of left him aside for a while, only to bring him back at the last minute to show you, oh, yeah, this was what it was all about. So kind of some subtle, for or maybe not so subtle foreshadowing that... Fitzgerald is going to play a major part in the climax here because the eyes of God. He he played a major part, but we didn't really see it. No, I know. Mostly. Um, speaking of Fitzgerald, that I also really like that part was uh, Fitzgerald's return to power. Yeah. How he just like bluffed his way into getting billions of dollars in the course of a few hours. I know. Fitzgerald is such a cool character. Mm-hmm. And like I would personally adore seeing more of the series because as i said in the beginning it's just a super fun super creative action show so uh near the end i want to talk about the the combo move that atsushi and akutagawa did it looked really awesome but it was really stupid <laughs> uh, like they're like oh yes he has the power to slash through uh like matter matter with his claws so i i combine it with my thing to create clothes space or whatever and and we have these super awesome claws and it's it, it was ridiculous but yeah. but at the same time you're right it was it was absolutely fucking ridiculous but it was it, but it was super kick ass the way it looked and how it played out it like i really liked it I think yeah, I, I liked it, but it was dumb. It, it was, it was <laughs> and, super. And dumb. also, uh, when the guy was when, when the guy jumped in the minecart and just kind of started riding away at a leisurely minecart pace. Uh, previously in that same episode, we saw um, Atsushi Atsushi like go supersonic light speed to cat to, to go through the guards without them even noticing he was there. Yeah. Why didn't he just do that? And apparently have the ability to catch bullets in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously. He could have just caught that minecart incredibly easily. Yeah, because at that point he wasn't even like uh he wasn't even like infected with the virus yeah. or anything, right? Akutagawa no, was. After, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it you're right, it is kind of stupid, but I I guess they just kind of wanted to kind of say, oh, we're going to pull a Joe. They want to show off the cool move. <laughs> exactly. That That's exactly what it was. But in spite of that, I would, uh, for final score for me, I'd probably give this a solid eight. Because it's still a really, like, it's got its problems, but it's still a really fun show and something I looked forward to watching quite a bit every week. So I'd say it's a quite a, it's a really good show. Like, but what about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'd probably give it an 8 as well. That, uh, that final scene with Atsushi and... Dazai? Dazai, kind of cheering on the boat. Oh, yeah, it was... Uh, was like, a really cool setup for they, the next part. Yeah, they, um... The series does, like, does, like, the emotional drama and stuff of the characters, too, pretty well. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like seeing Atsushi and, uh... Atsushi and Dazai just kind of working off each other and kind of, uh... Like, their, their relationship as master and mentor, like, and mentee were both was a rewarding uh, experience i pretty much every like the character interactions and the sort of like mind games like between fyodor and all this stuff this season was just a lot of fun to watch and then also we got introduced to the mastermind behind it all like the one who, oh yeah the, the big big boss yeah the one who aka the cat who had just yeah. been kind of like hiding <laughs> in plain sight this whole freaking time yeah so uh, solid eight for me yep solid eight uh, so next up, we're talking about Demon Slayer and uh, capping it off because it's still going uh, at the end of the uh, the, the flip floppy mansion. Yeah, right. yeah, the Suzumi Demon, as I like to call him. Uh, this, yeah, that entire for one thing, 
to think on like the amount of time and choreo like the amount of time and technical precision would have made taken to like just get that choreography down for one thing and or, like just choreograph that entire fight like you got the room spinning and shit and Tanjiro trying to stay on his feet and keep balance and all that going on planning that choreography alone would have been really difficult but having the technical precision to like just pull it off in such a uh, in such an amazing way just yeah, really just keep speak... track of it too yeah it like, just... like he's never like flipped and then the next scene is like flipped a different way yeah it's uh if you watch i rewatched it and the the whole path he takes is all one like smooth motion yeah uh, um all kept track of really well yeah just so the amount of like technical prowess to pull to not only choreograph that but to pull it off with su- to and pay such attention to detail is nothing short of absolutely amazing and it just goes to show once again like how ufo have you ufo table i was about to say ufotable again um have just really improved in their craft they've they've been good they've always been really good and delivered high quality stuff but they've just only been getting better and better as a studio and that fight i think really capitalized on just showing off how well we can do with this yeah. Uh, the one complaint I have is the complaint I've had pretty much with uh, most of the demons fights so far is that the kind of flashbacks giving the demons backstory mm-hmm. is it's a little too much. Uh, I think it's something that works better in the flow of a manga. Because mm-hmm. like uh, when you read manga, you, you, know, you turn the page and if it, if it was an action scene and, and then you're going into like a flashback, I feel like it's less jarring because mm. you're turning a page. It's kind of like you have that. Have it like is, a yeah, you're right. Transfer. It is. It is difficult to kind of uh, translate that. Uh, the Junji Ito collection showed that, like, in showing like how horror in particular is very difficult to translate when it's reliant on page turns. So, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Never personally bothered me, but I can agree with it to an extent. And, and also, Tanjiro reacts. Uh, I I don't I don't get why he reacted to this demon by praising him, as mm-hmm. in like he knew. What the backstory or what the flashback was about? I, I know he's very perceptive, but that one was almost like a mind ready thing. It felt like I never even stopped to consider <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, that's actually like, and I like, I kind of, I kind of get it. Like, Tanjiro is supposed to be kind of like that. He does seem like that everyone's big brother type of situation because he had a lot of young siblings and he knows how. And he probably had to help raise them to an extent, so he knows how they act and how to and how to respond to children. Like uh, like the first demon, the one with the really thick neck, that he was basically how he just kind of held his hand at the end and mm-hmm. as he kind of passed on. All that stuff. It seems like yeah, he is incredibly perceptive. Maybe that was a little bit too much, but at the same time, I can kind of I can kind of excuse. I'll it. give it a little breathing room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Seeing Zenitsu actually be competent is oh another, god yeah. yeah is another thing because I, I think that his training was probably just his his master I assume was probably very violent or very angry yeah and he would just pass out from fear and that's how he would learn yeah <laughs> like it was sort of just exactly just basically him drilling it into him but then so when he finally has like a kind of a snap that's when his training all comes back to him it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we got only just got introduced to Inosuke. Inosuke, one of the best characters in this My series so far. so far. He he's he's just a lot of fun to watch, and we've said that already in like the most recent episodes. Like he's just an absolute treat. But yeah, Inosuke is a lot of fun. The 
this has been setting up to be a really good first core of a pretty damn good action series. Yeah, it's it, it was probably my f- one of my favorites of the season. It it's very shonen, like it's mm-hmm. very simple, and sometimes where it's like, okay, here's a fight because it's a fight. Here's a special move. Yeah, uh, and it's really cool seeing all all the different characters' special moves because it's a shonen battle series. And, and on, not only that, but on top of that, it's just showing off like. Uh, ufo tables like amazing technical prowess when it comes Mm. to this like this is definitely their time to shine like they do it absolutely like flawlessly i'd say so uh, i think i'd have to give this show uh eight i i would say also an eight because it is like a relatively simple shonen battle yeah if we were going off a metric that was just shonen battles series i'd probably give it like a nine uh yeah i would say (laughs) i would say probably in the same range of eight and a half nine it's a it's a good series the the emotional uh it kind of stumbles a bit on the emotional stuff uh so it brings it a little bit down for me uh yeah i would say i'd say like a lot of the inner like some of the characters like particularly zenitsu like his his gimmick, his gag, is start, gets a little bit annoying at times. Tanjiro! Yeah, oh <laughs> god. It's, it, it, it gets really grating to listen to for an extended period yeah, of time. Yeah, agreed. So, next up, Dororo. I, I think this was a... Rel- it didn't, like, like, absolutely flawlessly land the ending, but it stuck the landing well, I think, here. Yeah, I, I like where it ended up. I don't exactly like how it got there. Uh, specifically, the scene with uh, Hyakimaru and Tahomaru. Tahomaru in the burning house. Yeah. You know, they're fighting together. So they went from, in about a course of three minutes, uh, fighting for their lives, trying to kill each other for their ideals that they're very fer- fervently believe in. And then uh, Hyakimaru all of a sudden is just like, no, brother, we are friends. We must be friends now. And that left me with just really big emotional whiplash. Yeah, it did. It. I think that maybe if we had even spent, like, made, like given this, like, one more episode, made it a 25-episode series, kind of, like, hashed out a little bit more of them, like, coming to that realization. Yeah. Like, and just, like, realizing, like, what exactly... Because we as the audience knew what they were putting on the line and how they got there, which is maybe why, personally, it wasn't as big of an emotional whiplash for me. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see, like, the characters kind of hash it out together, like, and slowly kind of More it. dialogue. Yeah, which is interesting to say, in a, like, in an action sequence like this. Like, but slowly figuring out, like, like why exactly Tahamaru and, and Hyakimaru at such odds. But I'd say that it was still a... It was still a fulfilling... It was still a fulfilling end for that climate, for that fight, but at the same time... They could have spent a little bit more time on it. Yeah, like, it did not. It didn't ruin it for me. Yeah, I'll exactly. Say that because uh, I really loved the ending of uh, showing kind of time goes on. Yeah, and you see like a, a little bit older Dororo. Oh yeah, Dororo grows up to be a very pretty girl. Yeah, well, she's sixteen, so. Well, she's still very pretty. Yeah. Shut up. Wee woo wee woo. God fucking damn it! Was she FBI this? <laughs> but yeah, I don't she, think she, he... I don't think the FBI exists in Japan, man, but... Uh, F-F-U-B-I. <laughs> oh my god, this uh, is so cringy. Uh, anyway, but let me just say that I absolutely adored, adored Daigo's resolution. Like, how they, like, how 
Hyakimaru basically doesn't kill him in the end, like, and he leaves him to live. I'd say that's a huge moment, not just for Hyakimaru, because that was something we were worried about. Like, is he actually going to kill his dad? But at the same time, and he had every right to, I think, but at the same time, I'd say it's more cruel to just let him live with the knowledge he has now. Well, yeah, death is the easy way out. You don't have to think about things anymore. Yeah. Um, but Daigo now lives in a situation where he truly regrets what he did because he looks back and realized that everything he had done up to that point was literally for nothing. Like, and if he had just let Hyakimaru, like, live a normal life, then things might have turned out better for him and his people. But he tried to take the easy way out to begin with, and it just didn't work out for him. I yeah, think that's I, a really, and I think that's a really powerful thing to tell. And it kind of adds a little bit more complexity to Daigo as a person. Yeah, I'd be interested to see where he goes from there. Because mm-hmm. there doesn't seem like a lot of places for him to go. Like, he doesn't have a domain anymore. Really. Yeah, he's a disgraced lord of a yeah. of a barren wasteland. I, I could easily see him not really taking all this to heart. Mm-hmm. He's just going off and either killing himself or... Being a bandit or something. I don't know. It seemed like he was legitimately um, uh, repentant or like when he was like facing Hyakimaru at the end there, when he was just kind of looking as Hyakimaru was away. He seemed like legitimately like remorseful of the things he did. And it seems like maybe he wanted to improve whether or not he does is open to interpretation. But it seemed, but that's the impression that I got. It seems like he knows what he knows that he legitimately fucked up and he wants to at least try to improve or and if he can't he recognizes that that this was all his fault and he deserves whatever punishment come what may i think that that's a a great message to end this series on at least for his character yeah uh, and, I, I liked what dordo what, what her idea was to do with the money in the end like i kind of saw that coming a mile away yeah sure but like, uh, she, she finally found a place that she she felt like this you know these people would be a lot happier if they had this money that and then she felt like she could actually have a purpose in life yeah exactly outside of following hyakimaru around yeah i agree like it was a like i i wasn't saying that as a bad thing like i kind of knew that that was something that was going to end up happening i just kind of picked that together like realizing what dotoro's ideals and stuff are and i just kind of uh put those puzzle pieces together and took an educated guess and Ultimately, I'm happy with the way the show went. It, it It's really fitting for Dodoro as a character. Mm-hmm. Hyakimaru, like, learning to kind of be on his own for a while as well. Like, not like... Because Dodoro and Hyakimaru split off again, but this time they were on more amicable terms, I think. Like, Hyakimaru just wants to live as a, a human now for a little while. Yeah, he has to start over pretty much. Yeah, exactly. This whole process where he was slowly becoming human... Uh, he, he was living like a life of killing everything yeah. just to get everything that was taken from him. And now that he has everything back, he can finally just get it wipe a clean slate. And I think he wants, he probably will go back and see Dororo eventually. I mean, that's what, that's certainly what the, um, what the ending hinted at. Like the very last scene when, uh, Dororo's grown up and she sees Hyakimaru on the docks. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, yeah, they both need, uh, the time to become their own people. Yeah, exactly. And I'd say that was a I'd say that was a great way. This was a like aside from a minor stumble, I'd say that this uh this really stuck the landing as far as endings go. Like it was a 
it was a satisfying conclusion to a really good, if not great, series. Yeah. Um, janky frog eyeball man episode aside. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that was a blemish. Like, that was a blemish that you had even kind of forgotten existed. Yeah, because, which is a good sign for this show. Really. Because, like, I hadn't forgotten it just because it had left such a... Because it was, like, for me, such a noticeable thing. And a, a, a stain on otherwise really, really good show. But, yeah... That it's definitely something where the series, like how the rest of the series, kind of like took away from that and made you realize and made you kind of forget about it a little bit. Which I would say is really well is how it just handled really good storytelling and pretty damn good animation. Like the animation between uh, like the fighting between Hyakimaru and Tahomaru was really good as per usual. Very like kind of nineties like. High yeah, for the animation. majority of the series, the animation was really good. Yeah, exactly. I I adored this series, uh, which is why I'll personally be giving it a nine. Nine. Yeah. Wow. I like it. I like it, but I like it more like a seven and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it, it kind of uh, it felt a little junk foody at me at times. Well, the animation was pretty good. It wasn't like amazing. It didn't feel like that high level for me. And, uh, it felt like some of the emotional parts near the end were rushed a little and bit too hard I can, for me. I can agree with that, which is why, which is why I won't rate it necessarily higher than that. But I don't know, like every week I always just found something, it was one of my personal favorite shows to like talk about. Like a lot of my reviews on, like reviews on um, individual episodes on Kitsu were probably some of the more, uh, my thought out kind of lengthy reviews. So I always found something really good to talk about with this series and maybe that's why it holds such a high regard for me just because i liked watching this series it didn't really feel like junk food i really wanted to kind of dissect it and understand it and uh realize how this is an adaptation of a of a classic property done right i think it's it's rare that we see like an adaptation that kind of goes its own direction like is not only willing to go its own direction to a degree but but deliver it in such a good way i think and that's why i get why i'm personally rating it so high i can understand why people may not necessarily agree with me but for me nine so next up we have a show that uh is mostly going to be relying on you uh fairy gone because i ducked out about like seven episodes in because i was falling asleep Ugh. all right so I am going to be honest, I don't entirely remember a lot of the stuff at the very <laughs> ending of this series. Did like, you just watch it because you felt like you had to watch it or something? Uh, I kind of did, and I did write, like, episode reviews of it. I did want to take I did want to take it seriously, but at the same... And I did because, like, I recognized the potential this show had, but at the same time, it really was kind of at the end more for obligation's sake rather than any legitimate enjoyment. Um, I... So let me just kind of say some of the goods from this setting is like the setting is kind of cool. Like the, like yeah. a lot of the technology and stuff behind it. It's a, it's a relatively fascinating concept, but if you want to see this concept handled well, then just watch to the, uh, to the abandoned sacred beast. Like it already handled well, the first its, episode. Anyway. It handled its prologue at least way better. Yeah. And it's a uh, similar concept. Yeah. Just, I really like the, like, it almost feels like, la noir yeah kind of setting but it's like medieval 
like probably the, like not like late 1800s early 1900s is what it kind of feels like about world war one era stuff yeah, it's like magic tech kind of yeah stuff. exactly i'm i think that the setting is really cool the soundtrack is pretty damn oh, good love the soundtrack uh the fight animation is is pretty good at times it's it's very um on and off yeah i think like there's some points where it's just it just kind of looks like cycled same frames yeah uh, but true. some of the other stuff looks really cool like uh like, like the, the like scene where Vare shatters the window. Yeah, and she does the fucking hero landing. That looks yeah. sick. Yeah, it was so, like there's a lot of really there's a lot of good stuff in this show, but it's just kind of overshadowed by the mediocrity of. It's overshadowed it by the, by my eyelids because I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. That's, like, that's the biggest takeaway I have from everything I saw is that like ninety percent of it was incredibly boring. Yeah, and it's I which it just makes me wonder. How the fuck do you manage that? Like, like it's... Yeah, how do you take a setting like that? Well, I'll tell you how. Lots of talking about stuff I don't care about. Yeah, like... Like, uh, just a lot of exposition... Like, a lot of exposition and... Like, a lot of exposition rather than actual, like, visual storytelling and slowly getting more acquainted. What they should have done is just, like... Once again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. They should have taken pages from Psychopaths and done more cases... That way you could figure out what the team, what the rest of the team members are like, how they work, like what kinds of investigators they are, what their powers are, like, and while they're on the cases, you figure out, like, the nature of the citizenry, like, how they interact with the police, yeah. and what they think of yeah. fair, just... You could build the world and the characters at once, and, uh, every, every episode doesn't have to be a blockbuster moment, like, you can have an episode where it's a beach episode, uh, even episodes like that are really good opportunities for character development. Exactly. You could have, they have to stop a man who's going around stealing people's hubcaps. Like, it doesn't have to be an amazing scene to give us really entertaining content and interesting character and world building. Yeah, like, and here's, here's something else that really pissed me off, at least about this first core. The, cause, I'll, full disclosure... I'm not going to be watching the second core. <laughs> I, I'm just not going to it. Like unless unless <laughs> like, like unless it tell like unless like the community dictates that it's actually like a massive improvement. Then the maybe. second coming of Jesus Christ. Like it has. It's going to have to do a really. It's going to have to put in a lot of really hard work to make up for this blunder of a first core, which I don't have faith that it will personally. So. In towards the last couple episodes, they kill off a character who you have no attachment to, really. Like, um, the, really, the only thing you know about him is that he likes to drink, and like that's about it. Like, they don't really. And then he dies, like protecting Marlia, which, for whatever reason, oh, just because they're comrades. But they they didn't like establish any like personal connection between those two characters specifically, and. And also just, like, any connection between the audience and him. Like, in Full Metal Alchemist, remember when Maze Hughes dies? How big yeah. of an impact that was? Yeah, I do. And you know why <laughs> You know why that is? Because they it developed him as a character that you could actually legitimately feel sad for when he's gone. Yeah, like, and they took a long time doing it, too. Yeah, exactly. They built up... They built up the reason for why you should care about this person suddenly dying. Here, they didn't really do that. Like, I can kind of attribute it to... All right... Marlia has to deal with intense survivor's guilt. She's been doing that pretty much her entire life. I, I get that. I understand that. It's not a bad angle to work. It could have worked had they actually dedicated more time to it. 
Like, an example I use is, like, maybe this Oz character had, like, a daughter or something that Moralia reminded him of, and she had died when he was off away at war. Or something, you know, something simple like that to kind of develop a little bit of kinship between the two of them. And just, what? what? Now, I'm just thinking that, like, this is the show that we were the least interested in by the end of the season, and it's getting, like, some of the most thoughtful discussion going on for it i mean sure but at the same time it's because we wanted to like it i i truly did i like, truly like the wanted... first three episodes i think were kind of interesting yeah and it's just stuff like that you really need to like pace and actually dedicate some time to like if you want to have like a meaningful emotional visceral reaction from the audience you need to have your make sure your mm-hmm. audience is actually invested like, and when you want to create a fascinating world, you need to have your audience actually invested. Otherwise, they're not going to give a mm-hmm. shit about it and fall asleep through a halfway through episodes and then drop the show. So I'm not going to give the show a review because I don't like reviewing shows that I haven't finished. Okay. So uh, what, what score would you give this show? This is actually tough for me because, like, my, like, I want, I want to give it a six. And that's because, but that's... But that's really difficult to do. So I will give it a five and a half. Mainly just because... Wow. It, I say this because, <laughs> yes, it is... Like, I would say that it's kind of... It would just be mediocre average affair. But because I actually do like the concept and some of the ideas and stuff behind the series, that kind of elevates it a little up for me. Which is why I'm not going to say give it anything lower than a five, at least. See, I like... Like, I, I there's some mediocre shows i feel like i I could watch yeah but But i just just (laughs) maybe because maybe it's just because i wanted to give it more of a chance and i was willing to kind of sit through it so five and a half then yep five and a half for me anyway so next up fruits basket a much better show (laughs) this show has blown me away i uh so so i never watched the original fruits basket when it was you know aired in the olden days of yeah anime. like 2001 i think is when the original series um, came out i i I, ha- I have gone back and looked at like the art and compared to this it's fucking hideous <laughs> oh the original no the original art for the original series is absolutely atrocious i actually kind i think the art from the original manga is charming in its own right but the original art from the original anime is absolute hot garbage yeah, the, this show uh the art's gorgeous i am I love Toru so much. She's Toru's so precious. So whole- yeah, Toru's so wholesome. So, so she's really precious and honest. But she, it, I, I feel like sometimes they uh, a, a series will produce a present a character as like oh the honest you know nice character, but it, they kind of do it in a little bit of a heavy handed way. No, uh, she's just and, a she's just a legitimately good person. Yeah, and, just... and based on like all the shit she's had to go through, you feel why she is this way. Like she doesn't take anything for granted. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's. It's kind of it's kind of like taking the cliche the quote unquote cliches and kind of using them in a like actually giving like novel explanations as to why and figuring out like why she's a good person. Like just they're not just cliches just for the sake of having mm-hmm. them. Like they just they didn't just want a sweet precious cinnamon roll character just for the sake of having a precious cinnamon roll character. Yeah, the show would have been way less interesting that way. Exactly. She's just a legitimately good character. Like, sure, she's a little ditzy and stuff at times, but at the same time, 
she's way wiser than she sometimes lets on. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the whole uh, plum on the back. Yeah, exactly. Analogy. Yeah, exactly. She she has some really interesting ways of figuring stuff out, but she's not like she's not a complete idiot either, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that about her. And so, then, of course, we have the two boys, uh, Kyo and Yuki. They're mm-hmm. they're both incredibly delightful, a lot of fun. They are uh, very. Uh, how do I put this? Exaggerated forms of their characters. Yeah, it but because like, because you have Yuki, who's um, like your who's like your stone, yeah. you're like your cold, your kudere, yeah, kudere, your pretty boy, and then, and then uh, you have Kyo, who's like as soon as sundere as sundere ever did sundere. Yeah, <laughs> pretty uh, much. But, but the thing is, like the the way this ensemble cast works is having all the different characters that have those kind of uh, popping out personalities. Uh, but Toru is this central figure pretty much throughout the entire series that everyone kind of bounces off really nicely. Yeah. Uh, and I think it really rounds out the harsh parts of each character. I think there, I think that it's that, but also just the fact that it kind of in line with what they did with Toru, they, they kind of have like these cliches, stereotypes, etc. that we all kind of, that most people who have watched anime for a long time know what to expect. But then... We start kind of start to like delve a little bit deeper into like the characters and kind of yeah, it's good good reasonings for these stereotypes. Yeah, and you kind of get to and kind of adding nuance to them, so they're not just cliched stereotypes. They're actually like three dimensional characters. It's all kind of like like the personas they put forth and what or what people expect of them, and then kind of learning more about them and figuring out those like nuances and kind of leads them to being more rounded out, which I really like. It's mm-hmm. a like this, the series has done a great job of making you feel for all these characters. Feel, yeah. This show is an emotional landmine for me because I know that every episode there's potential that I'm going to want to cry because there's like it. I feel unnerved when we get an entire episode of just happy things happening because you know something <laughs> very bad is lurking. So around I'm just the like corner. tiptoeing, like, oh god, where's the next one going to happen? Yeah, like. I mean, we can't really talk about it in the in this episode, but there was an episode fairly recently that I was just like, oh, dear God. Like, I feel really sad. Uh, I think the best example of that in the first core yeah. uh, was Toru going back to her grandpa's house. Oh, my God. That was so good. Just the, the scene of uh, of her, like, finally realizing that she, I want she has something that she wants, like... Even though she feels like she shouldn't want it because she's like, I don't, I, sh- I shouldn't feel allowed to want things because yeah. she, she doesn't feel like she's earned it. Mm-hmm. But uh, she finally just breaks down emotionally and says she wants something for once. I, I'd say like the most emotional moment for me, like would be like when you finally find out what the Fruits Basket game is, like, and figure out like why. Oh yeah. How she like, had no friends. Yeah. That, that was really, that was that's really- another stereotype that was handled incredibly well. Yeah. And it's just, this is such a good series. And, like, I said it while we were watching it throughout this entire first core. Like, I can understand why it's such a beloved series. And I'm glad that I'm watching it now. Yeah, I think that they, the only thing they've done, uh, what I've heard in general opinion, uh, is that people that watch the original series, they're saying this is just a more polished version of the original series. Like, there's been nothing, they've taken nothing away from it. They've only, like made it shine more than it was yeah. before. And I've heard I've heard that too, and I've also heard that 
since the series is going on is going to be going on longer that they're actually going to like give an appropriate ending the way that the manga did like and actually give time to end it the way it was originally intended to end yeah, fruits basket brotherhood yeah exactly it's getting the brotherhood treatment I, I i really love how how full of them i don't know full of themselves cocky they are by displaying fruits basket first, the first season, season. <laughs> like there's gonna be more like i mean and it doesn't surprise me because this show like it's it seems to be doing well it's like, doing incredibly well right now exactly like, it's, it's super popular so it's no surprise that there's going to be more like it it'd actually be more surprising if they some if they canceled it it's like production halted because xyz reason mm-hmm. but i don't know that all out of the way. Your rating for this? First core, anyway? Uh, hmm. Nine. Really? A nine? This yeah. is probably the first time you rated <laughs> something higher than I did, because, because I'm giving it, an eight and a half. It hits so many emotional notes so well for me, and it, it hasn't stumbled at all. There's There's been no point where it's, where it's been a low point for me. Uh, all the characters they've introduced, I've fallen in love with. Yeah, even Akito, who you're supposed to hate. I, I hate him. But I hate him, and I love that I hate him. <laughs> yeah, like, it kind of... I will agree with that, because you want to figure out more about why... Because this series has already done a great job of showing you why characters are the way they are. And even Akito is probably, like, a product of their environment. Like, we don't know... We haven't actually been revealed, like, what their gender is. He, she, whatever. So I'll just keep referring to... a boy. But Akito... Point being, Akito is supposed to be a reprehensible human being. But, uh... But they're just like everybody else in this series. They're a product of their environment. Yeah, and just sure given we'll... and given how crappy the Soma clan has handled itself and presented itself in the past and their dark all their dark secrets, I wouldn't be surprised if if Akito is a, just as much a product of that as anyone else. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, no spoilers if you know what's happening. Uh, if Toru ends up being the one to save Akito mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, I agree. This series has been absolute treat to watch. One of my favorites this this season, I think. Mm-hmm. So next up is the helpful Fox Senko-san. A.K.A. not Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Oh my god, this show is so goddamn comfy. The 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 music they use, the the settings, the like... Co- the coloring. The colors they use, but mostly the voice actors. Oh I yeah. It, I, I, I bet you anything that when they were... Uh, auditioning people to do the voice roles for the characters they're like okay we need to find characters who have the soothing most soothing comfiest voices you can imagine yeah because even kurota you said this like off uh my off recording that uh you just uh, you love how like kind of soothing kurota yeah he's my favorite voice role in the show like over senko just because like he 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 has such a relatable like yeah he, he, he does such a good job of portraying just like uh, I just got home from work and I'm so tired. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just the voice actor captures that energy so well. And when he's like finally allowing himself to relax, it's just like now I feel relaxed. It's mm-hmm. it's infectious. Yeah. It, the, the show, I will say this, it is an incredibly infectious show. Like in how comfy it is. I I legitimately liked it. Like it was yeah. what I know means my favorite show this series this season. But it was an enjoyable show. Something that I. Would just kind of be like, well, this is, I could use some relaxation. Ah, uh, that's. It, it was very standard affair in terms of plot near the end. Well, there wasn't much plot in the beginning, uh, but near the end where they bring in um, the. Soda. Ada, Ada Fox. Yeah, Ada, Ada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, she, like, 
Yeah, just like, oh, you can't be with him anymore, but but I want to be with him, and then there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Love yeah. wins overall. Uh, yeah, like, but like it was that wasn't what I was there for. What I was there for is just them, uh, Senko, like being nice to him and and pampering him, and and that little subtle backstory I liked with uh, his, yeah. his ancestor. Yeah, exactly, and how she's been kind of a part of his life ever mm-hmm. since he was young. I yeah, I like that. The, too. the way they spaced that apart throughout the series, I think, was done really well because it wasn't it wasn't it was never shoved in your face. Exactly, and like I said, it's sort of like the like this series does a really good job of of portraying like a like I. I personally don't want this to be, like, a romance series. I kind of hope it doesn't turn into one, but... I think it's over. Well, is I it, mean... The, is there more manga? I probably, yeah. But it... But at the same time, I do think that just seeing, like... Just seeing, like, how close they were... Like, how close they are as people and kind of realize... And maybe for them, maybe realizing... Okay, maybe... Maybe we can just learn how to be better. It's not them so much getting together, just what they can do for each other. Sort of like a... Sort of like the ending of uh, After the Rain, for instance. It isn't about them getting together in the end. It's what they did. It's how their experiences with each other changed each other for the better in the end. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm hoping for more. I, mean, I don't think we see enough of that. Like, there's uh, always no. that. There, there was a, that wasn't really a theme in the show, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. It was just mostly about uh, Senko kind of wanting to repay a debt. Or at least how it, I think that's how it started off in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's really a lot of romantic interaction there, but I think Senko's kind of, you know, loving him more of a uh, family member. I, okay, like. and that's or, exactly... Or a close friend, I That's say. And that's what I personally see it as, and that's what I like it as, too. Yeah, they did a really good job throughout the series of... There's so many moments where they're... Like, any other anime would have had sexual tension, um, uh, but they just play it off as just, like, relaxing, nice times. Yeah, like... Like, I mean, even when it did get into somewhat into somewhat kind of etchy territory, they'd never really played it mm-hmm. off as that. The massage scene, I think, was the most they dipped into that. But at the same time, it kind of was handled, like we said before, yeah. pretty innocuously, yeah, pretty yeah. innocently, like pretty wholesome. And the, the, I think the, that's rare. The the part where like um, Kuroto They're... was like like moaning, mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, you're moaning," or like like the uh, "I'm gonna step on you" kind of thing. <laughs> oh, the internet had fun with that, but and but that's more to do with just the kind of person that Senko is. Yeah. Like she's just playing around, she's just teasing, and I think that she kind of knows how it can be taken, so she's being coy and oh, funny. And I like that every single time. Uh, it was, I think it was twice, once with uh, Shiro and once with the uh, older fox lady. They, like, tried to seduce him. And he, he just went from, like, ah, oh, yes, I want it. I need it. I need to fluff your tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's... That's such a good, uh, it's like, a, it's a funny. Thing. It's a funny little gag, too. Like, and it's... I love how when they revealed that Soro, like, she's, like, such, like, this huge presence and stuff, like, absolutely, like, drop-dead gorgeous, but then at the same time, Kuroto just kind of looks at her and is like, wow, she's way smaller than I thought, and she, because she only comes up to, like, his chest, <laughs> she isn't that much taller than Senko. Like, the show has a lot of pretty damn funny subversions of other, like, sort of etchy comedies. Yeah, that I think that on. the show is better if you are a person that's watched a lot of anime, because, mm-hmm. like, there's so many tropes that they subvert. Exactly. If, if you were just watching it, like let's say this was your, you know, first couple anime or whatever, uh, it would just be kind of be like a funny little romp. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the it plays really well off of the expectations people have from watching so much anime. Exactly. So uh, I think I'd have to give this show a seven and a half. I would actually give it about the same because it's 
it's nothing groundbreaking. It's nothing absolutely amazing. Characters are nothing new, but mm -hmm. it the series knows what it is and does it well. Like, really well. Like, it's just a really comfy, relaxing yeah. show. I, I will miss it dearly every week mm -hmm. because I looked forward to just uh, sitting down, getting comfy, and watching yeah. it every week. Plus, that intro is super catchy and super oh, yeah. fucking adorable. <laughs> Next up on our list, Hito Hitori Bochi, or Hitori Bochi's Lifestyle, if you prefer. This was a, like, you said at the beginning, like, you were kind of expecting it to be kind of a, like, a slightly different show. Like, you, this was something that could kind of be enjoyed more by anyone. Yeah, so the first couple episodes, like, the first three episodes, uh, her progression of... I think it was three or four. Becoming friends with um, Nako and Aru. Yeah. It was, I think, a little more smart mm -hmm. of a show. Like, the the character interactions were a little more deep. We had um, Bochi kind of leaning more on her uh, social anxiety in a more serious way. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas her social anxiety for the rest of the series is pretty much played up just for comedic reasons. Yeah. So, so I would say about episode four... The, the show switched from being kind of like a, a really um, nice slash kind of depressing, uh, a little bit depressing uh, mm. trip through um, Bochi's kind of social anxiety and slowly making friends. And after that point, it was just like, friend of the week, friend of the week, friend of the week. And, or her kind of like deepening connections with friends she already yeah. had, really. And like, I liked it the entire series. Like, I, I did too. <laughs> but, like, uh, let's, let's not, let's not uh, confuse people. Let's, I, I liked this show. Mm -hmm. I liked the show quite a bit, it, actually. It, it changed from uh, a broadly likable show to show... A little for, bit more, a little bit more moe blondie. Yeah, like uh, cute girls doing cute things. Exactly. <laughs> and is, and this, like I said... Like we've said about um, about another show that we watched uh, recently and kind of talked about, um, this show kind of handled it a little bit better than I'd say your average affair. Like because, and I'd say that's in big part because the characters are relatable and fun and cute, and like, and Bochi has a soup. Like Bochi is a relatable person for anybody who's ever dealt with social mm -hmm. anxiety, and it, it it's played up, sure, but I think that anybody just wants to uh, have friends and like get connections yeah. and stuff like that she tries her best and i think that's really and i think this show certainly capitalized on that of course nako's best girl because nako's the best girl <laughs> i i love how she's there's always that one asshole friend in every group who likes to tease and torment their other friends and i love the way that everybody gets back at her though yeah exactly. like poking her in the side in the middle of class and he just goes ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so and then they did a good job of introducing new characters I think as well like the the ending with the really rich girl like mm -hmm. her just I mean and it seems I it seems to me that the really cool thing about this series is how it approaches like like cuz all the characters that we've seen so far are lonely in some way shape or form and for I mean they're all lonely but for different reasons like Bochi because she's in, wasn't an extremely socially awkward uh, Nako, because everybody was afraid of her, because look at her, she looks like a delinquent. Like, um, Aru, because she has to keep up this image of being, like, such a perfect yeah, pristine. So no, so no one gets to see who she really is. Um, then Satoka, because she's, because she's kind of like an awkward foreigner that nobody really understands. Well, the, the, or, or they're kind of intimidated. Yeah, by. that was what it was. Like, they, they, they shot she was too pretty to, like, be her friend or whatever. Exactly. And then, uh, 
and then uh, Kurai because she also just kind of wants to like she's lonely I think in a different way she just wants to be stronger like by herself and which I think is a, a noble thing in and of itself but then this last girl because she's ridiculously rich like all the characters are all representations of why people might be lonely or not have friends or anything like that. And because usually people are afraid of them or they're too, or they're afraid of showing the real them. It's, and I think that's handled in a pretty clever, easily digestible way for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I yeah. liked it. It was, it was a really uh, nice watch it, exactly. th- throughout the, 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 like the latter end of the season. It, it, it never really asked too much of you. Just kind of pop in for a little while, watch some goofy antics happen. Maybe a feel or two every once in a while. When, uh, yeah. Um, when, uh, when Satoka finally came. I think the one I think of is when Satoka got home and everybody said, welcome back. And she almost started crying mm-hmm. because she realized like what good friend she actually had now. And like re- her, especially in her lonely ass apartment where she yeah. had nobody. The The plot line of Satoka trying to be friends with Bochi kind of got... A little old fast, I think. Yeah. Because she's oh, I have to, she has to be my master. But we can actually be friends. It was kind of frustrating to watch a little bit. I, I can sympathize with that. I agree. It's It was a little frustrating and kind of did drag on for a little longer than it needed yeah. to. But by, by the end of the series, I think I was pretty happy with it. Just the, the ending scene of them all walking together on the sidewalk. Oh, uh, yeah. That was super cool. And the other thing is when they they kind of played back to the first episode where it's like, I'm your new home. I'm your homeroom teacher. So, I we let's go through introductions again. Um, I'm gonna pick somebody to introduce themselves, and he starts with Bochi, and it's kind of pretty much like a play to the first <laughs> season, like in the very first episode. Um, it's kind of a nice way to end it because it shows like that entire episode shows like how much has changed for Bochi for the better, but also how much she still needs to work on as a person, like because she still at the end of the day, threw up when she had to speak in front of the entire yeah, class. Yeah, it, it was very anime ending, where it's yeah. like, uh, status quo, pretty much ending. And I, like, personally, this is one of those series that, if it never got a second season, I'd be okay with that, because I had a enjoyable time watching just what I got. If mm-hmm. it ever did get a second a second season, second core, whatever, I'd be happy with it, too. Yeah, if it's more of the same, just her getting more friends, I'll probably watch it. Exactly. It's cute and funny. <laughs> it, it is. That's... It's a harm. It's a harmless way to yeah. spend your time. It's nothing deep. If you're looking for something like that, you're not gonna like it. But yeah. Uh, I, I at the end of the day, I'd probably have to give this show like a seven and a half. Uh, same seven and a half for yeah. me as well. Just that's, for pretty much the reasons I fun show exactly. Yeah. So next up is the uh, the hit uh, short form comedy of the season, Isekai Quartet, <laughs> that uh, nobody knew they wanted, but as soon as it was announced, everybody wanted. Exactly. This this show, like, never let up with how downright funny it was. Like, it knew, like, and if nothing else, at the end of the day, it made me want to go out and watch uh, Saga of Tani the Evil. Exactly, I still, yeah. That's I the still, only one I haven't seen. Out of, out I, of yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I absolutely want to. Yeah, that's my feeling after watching this show, too. Uh, they My my biggest impression of this, series, of this season series is how impressed i am with the directors of each individual show mm-hmm. because you really feel like they all did their research and went off and you know like checked out each other person's all the other three shows because they wrote all the dialogue in such a funny way that meshed together well and they had like referential jokes to the original series mm-hmm. that they were in yeah, uh, exactly. and like the characters interacted so well like aqua pretty much just like Fucking turn undead! Get the fuck away from me, undead! Yeah, exactly. And I just think that, like, they did, like, 
they did such a good job. And I was not expecting them to try and incorporate jiggle physics into this show. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, darkness is... She's a little chibi form and she still has huge honking tits. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Like, this... Like, this series, like, it... It delivered, like, so well on laughs and stuff. And I'd say that this show would, like, uh... It wouldn't be as funny if you weren't familiar with at least a few of these shows. Yeah. Like, you'd have to be familiar with at least one or two of them in order to, like, really appreciate it. I think they probably gambled pretty well on that one because all these shows were pretty big. Yeah. Um, obviously, Tanya being the least popular because in the beginning of the series, they actually had to give you background on who yeah. Tanya was. Exactly. Which is a shame because I hear that show is great. But... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I heard too. But I mean, it's, hell, it's getting a movie, so... It's obviously the least successful of those four shows. Exactly. Because they were all blockbusters in their respective seasons. The the one complaint I do have, like, and this is only like, like referring to the um to the intro and like the voice actors for Subaru and Kazuma sound very similar. So they some, both play that that same type of character from where from the original world. They were that like loser high school guy. Yeah, exactly. So it does get a little bit confusing trying to figure out. It's like, wait, did Subaru say that or did Kazuma say that? Um. Like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure that if you really paid attention, you could tell the differences. But at first glance, it's kind of, or at first listen, it's like, wait, who you just gotta, that? You gotta listen to it this way. Subaru is the one that's always gung-ho about everything. Kazuma is the one who sounds like he hates himself. <laughs> that's a good way to say it. It's that's, like, in the fucking opening when they're all introducing themselves, they're all like, oh, yeah, I'm this and this and this. And yeah, Kazuma's I'm like, Subaru. I have no, I, I have, I cannot yeah. read and I have no money. And that's Ka- like his catchphrase. Kazuma is like, oh, is this the part where we're supposed to say so something like, oh, cool? I'm Kazuma. <laughs> Which I think was a great way of introducing that because it's like they just knew it's like that was a popular mm-hmm. joke. Probably the funniest joke in that series. I, I love how they took this goofy comedy series and gave it like a climactic battle ending. I was And not, it was still hype. I was not <laughs> expecting that like at all. Like they did a really damn good job with that. And then like everybody like like all the different characters like uh like bringing in pandora's actor and just getting to hear mm-hmm. uh, uh okabe rintaro like being as over the top as he possibly can just shit like that it, it was great it and then of course uh, like we've already said this and it's already been leaked season two coming out yeah with a transfer student or group of transfer, transfer students. students yeah, yeah it's probably i'm assuming it's gonna be uh isekai slime yeah that probably because probably. Beca- it's the same uh book publisher yeah, that would. I make... think they're all they're all the same book publisher. That's how they are able to make this series a thing. Yeah, that would certainly make a lot of sense, and I w- like that would kind of make me probably feel a little bit more obligated to watch Isekai Slime because, like, that's on my yeah, it's be- still on my list because like, it gets better apparently. Like, I I did not hate the show. Just want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Did not hate it. It was just for me. I didn't really get like on the hype train the way yeah, that other people we, did. We stopped watching it uh, after the. Like or right before, yeah, and right before apparently. Oh, this is when the really feelsy shit happens. This is where all the characters that you saw in the opening get introduced. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But anyway, that aside, I really enjoyed this show. For a short form show, it was absolutely fantastic to watch. I give it a ten, is what I want to say, but I'm not going to give it a ten because yeah, (laughs) I'm going to give it like an eight. Yeah, I'd give it an eight as well. Next up, where this is going to be very brief, Joshi Kausei. 
Um, this show was just like a harmless three minutes of your week, like every week. Didn't really demand a whole lot from you. It was. It was like watching a comic strip. Exactly. Like, and it was. It was fun. It was pleasant. It was cute. Like, um, seeing like the seeing all like the different little visual gags and stuff with just uh, that was all really funny. I was not expecting the show to actually have like a feelsy episode in it, and actually, which one? Episode ten, the one about like that was a flashback episode about the hairpin. Oh yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> I was like, I was not expecting that from this show, which is probably mm-hmm. why, which is probably why it's like surprised me so much. I was not expecting it, and they handled it well, which because it like because it was just like all visual storytelling and just like really short and quick and to the point. Yeah, I I was, was so impressed. With, I was impressed with, with this that. show, like because like the way they tell you all these stories and these little jokes with no dialogue whatsoever, except yeah. for. Like, the occasional, like, noises. Or yeah, like, giggling noises. and stuff like that, which... It's I mean, some a, people... It's, it's something I've never seen before. Yeah, it was... If it, At the end of the day, it was a cute little experiment. Mm-hmm. It, it was a nice experiment. I didn't think it was anything groundbreaking or amazing, but it was... For what it was, it was good. I would give this... Well, hold on. Hmm? Uh, really quick, I want to talk about the, the ending scene. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it so much because they actually just put in one line of dialogue. I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was such a good way, I feel like, to cap off... The season. Oh yeah, that was yeah, mm-hmm. that was actually a really good way of handling it. Like, I like I wasn't expecting that, and uh, it was just a nice little like, oh, she said something. Wow, <laughs> that was yeah. I would probably, I wouldn't normally give like this too high of something, and it's not like don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna give it like anything like above <laughs> an eight. Like for me, I would say this is probably more on the six and a half seven axes mm-hmm. probably seven yeah I'd, I'd give it like a six and a half and i think that's pretty high for this kind of show yeah um, exactly and, and i'm only rating that high because it's such an original interesting concept of making a comedy show with no dialogue yeah that's that is one reason the reason that it kind of hedges it over a little bit more into seven territory is just because that it, it actually did a relatively emotional episode with no dialogue in three minutes and actually handled it in a really cool way like, and it was just something that I was not legitimately not expecting. And I think they did a absolutely fabulous job with it. So, seven from me. So, next up is Kono Oto Tomare. Which, uh, this show was a beautiful music show with too much dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's kind of a shame, too, because, like... The character, the character interactions and stuff, they're good. The, design, mm-hmm. the character designs, really good. The music, freaking yeah. beautiful. So I, I should probably, uh... Just uh, talk about that statement a little bit more. Uh, I don't mean there's too much dialogue as in, like, during all the parts where people are talking, there's too much dialogue. I think there's too much dialogue in all the performances. Yeah, it kind of, it's sort of like, it kind of devolved into the, like, the uh, the anime, like, uh, anime, like, battle stuff, like you mm-hmm. see in, like, Gundam and yeah, stuff they, like that. They, they, they do something, and they're like, oh, he did something. Yeah, they're narrating over the, uh, they're narrating over the fights or whatever, but here they were narrating over the music, which... Yeah. I, which I can sympathize with to a degree, because, like, I think for some of this stuff, it's, uh, for some of the stuff, I'd say it's kind of necessary, because, like, I'm sure for a lot of people, we've never heard, like, really what, what legitimately good Koto music sounds like, because, like, for people who are not informed on the subject, it's not, it's a good way to kind of prime people, I think, but, and, and also kind of, like, as the series is sort of learning to progress and stuff, and as the uh, characters become more comfortable with each other and the music that they're learning to play, I think that'll sort of peter off. I'm certainly hoping it does, but for starting us off and kind of getting us acquainted with, like, the internal, like, 
dialogues of the characters and stuff like that. Like the final performance with uh, Kuan, I think that was a good way of... Uh, I think that was handled pretty well, all things considered, myself. But because we were finally getting able to like hear like the characters kind of hashing through this stuff. Like maybe it would have been a little bit more effective if we just saw like their faces. Like, yeah, kind of, that's, like, that's what I'd want. Just their face, their, 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 their reactions to everything. Yeah. Uh, realizing how much they're screwing up, like the audience yeah. kind of like starting to talk and stuff and realizing they're not invested. So whenever someone struggles uh, in all these performances, whenever someone has struggled, um, at least I think it's like the two big performances. Yeah. Uh, and the first one was Hozuki kind of starting to play louder. Yeah. In the first performance to, to get everybody back on track. Mm-hmm. If they had no dialogue there and just had her maybe just entire silence and you just hear one really loud pluck of the string or something and then you see everyone kind of notice it. Yeah. And then they just kind of go on and start playing stronger and stronger. That would have been a lot more emotionally like heavy for me. Yeah. Okay. I but, agree. But with them just saying like, oh, I can, t- I can tell what she's doing. Yeah. It kind of takes me out of it, it ca- a little it bit. Does, it does have a ten. It does have a problem of kind of over explaining, I guess. Like, it's not like, uh, like what's a series that... A series that I think kind of does this pretty well is, uh, like, March Comes in Like a Lion. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> like, because because a lot of people aren't really familiar with with Shogi as like, a, as, like, a game or anything like that, or as a professional sport. Like, they don't know all the complex strategies and stuff, or, or really what it means. But I'd say that March Comes in Like a Lion has the advantage of it being a Shaft production. So it's able to, like, really get artistic and weird with its artistic and expression. It's, it's a different... I think it's a little bit different because uh, you don't the, the main the main point of Kono Oto Tomari is the music, the mm-hmm. sound, what you're hearing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so when you overlay it with dialogue, it's taking away from the emotional takeaway that it have just from hearing the music in itself. Like even if they had like shown like some of like the like the scenes of like what the uh, of what the music reminds them of, like of Kudo thinking of his grandpa and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I'd be completely fine with that if they just did visual reminders. Uh, even like just I, like I don't need to see them playing the Kotos the whole time. I understand that'd be kind of difficult to animate, and also there'd be less room for actual character development. Yeah, exactly. They could just have visual flashbacks or uh, characters hanging out with each other. Like they could have had like training montages while they're playing or something. Uh, I, I don't want to bitch about that small complaint I have about the whole time because it was. A small complaint. Yeah, it's it didn't really detract from a pretty damn good show. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure, like, a show that a lot of people weren't really expecting a whole lot out of, and maybe didn't even go out of their way really to watch, because it because of the Funimation paywall. Yeah, it's Funimation you know, splitting off. Everything but, else that happened there. <laughs> what, whatever. But that aside, like, this show was really, really good. Yeah, like, it is the king of this season for facial reactions oh or or like emotional reactions because they it looks like they kind of just colorized um panels from the manga yeah and and just touched them up really pretty and it looked almost like watercolor painting at times yeah like um uh i want to call back to the scene where Kudo is sitting outside and the window sitting playing with the the, with, with the, the fake Koto, yeah, and she's sitting like, back, and they're sitting back to back. Yeah, that's, ah, that it was, was so, so pretty. It was, it was. It's probably it was one of the best shots of that freaking episode. Definitely, definitely one of the ones that stands out the most this season uh, mm-hmm. for this show. I, I absolutely adored this show. I think it was really cool how they built up Kota as a character. Like that was a big complaint that if 
that we had or a complaint that we had early on. We were just worried that they were just going to be Kudo's friends. Yeah, and, and I think that Kota kind of got a little bit more uh, spotlight. The other two are still kind of his friends, but there, there's more. Like, there's more of the show. Yeah, so. there, there is going to be a second core. It's already been announced. They're already working on it. So I'm not worried about that. If it continues, if it continues going down the path that it looks, then I think this is going to be a pretty damn good show. Like, like and... Like, seeing, like, Kurata, like, slowly, like, mm-hmm. evolve as a character and become more... He had more... such a good character arc. I adored his character arc. Because in the beginning, he he did... We already, we talked about this before, but he did seem more like a background character. Like and, it... and I think that was entirely intentional, that Kudo seemed like the main character. And he, he... As the show's gone on, there's been more a balance of Kudo and Kota both coming together as, like... Uh, Kudo and like Kurata. Yeah, Kudo and Kurata, yeah. Yeah. Because Kota is the other, is the, uh... Yeah, yeah, the yeah. blonde guy. But, uh, I liked, I liked how Kota, at the end, was the one to bring them back during that performance when everything seemed to be falling apart. Because, like, because it just kind of showed that how, how the rest of them aren't all relying on Hozuki now. And mm-hmm. that he's, act, and that some of them are actually starting to evolve as players. And, like, and his hard work is legitimately paying off. Yeah, I, I loved Kota's arc in the yeah. training camp when... When he runs away and you think it's going to be that, like, stereotypical scene where you're like, I don't want to play anymore. We have to get you back. And it turns out, no, he's legitimately, yeah. it was a good subversion because, like, in any other series, you'd expect it's like, oh, he's going to be running away. They're going to have some, like, long-winded thing of, like, why he's important and yeah. why he should stay. <laughs> it, it, it It's so, like, not and not a big thing to him. He's like, oh, I was just going off to practice. Like, it, it wasn't, like, a huge deal to anyone or it, it was a huge deal to everyone but him. Exactly. And they just... That was a really clever subversion to mm. a well-established... Felt like trope. a real character. Yeah, exactly. Like, because we'd seen... We, like we said, we've seen that moment where, oh, the person runs away because they feel like, I, oh no, I'm holding everyone back. I, I can't stick around like this anymore. I have they, to leave. They did a good job setting it up as that. Exactly. And, like, it's... Once again, a lot of these tropes are are best when you just kind of realize like oh that's actually kind of stupid like how they normally handle it let's see how they can subvert that it's it was really good i thoroughly enjoyed how they subverted that with his character but that performance at the end it was it was also really oh yeah good. um just the song like i was not really interested in koto before but now i actually kind of am yeah uh and they the way that hozuki described it as singing i thought was really interesting mm-hmm. because when you're singing you you put more emphasis on certain words you project more on certain parts of the song and uh it's really interesting to think of an instrument as singing because when you pluck it harder mm-hmm. and you're you know different volumes on different notes it makes it sound so much more dynamic oh yeah absolutely like i'm not like a big music guy myself uh, I was in I was in band for for several years and like stuff like that makes sense like and I remember reading uh, I remember reading a little bit of Evangelion where it talks about like the cello like being like the like something that's closest to like a human or an instrument that's closest to a human voice actually so that's actually I like seeing that in practice here like her describing mm-hmm. it as singing I'm like oh that's pretty cool like yeah. it's like minor complaints about this series aside it's a really damn good yeah. show i really liked the finale how it just ended on nothing like it, yeah it how just it was just them, after was, they stopped yeah it was just them looking at the audience and mm-hmm. it it's about the same about the way i would have expected because it's uh they did the same thing with ryu segun and that performance like yeah. how that episode cut off it's my it's kind of it's one of my favorite ways to end series i love those just open-ended 
yeah. endings like that. Now, that that being said, had I not known that there was going to be more of the series, it would have pissed me right the hell off, kind <laughs> of. Uh, like, it's about the journey! I get, like, I get it, but at the same time, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things that I'm personally glad I know there's a second season of this. So, what did you give this, this, uh, I gave core it, season? I gave whatever? it an 8. 8? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably give it an A too. Yeah, really like good. it, really good. My, like minor stumblings aside, and some characters not getting as much flat, like as much uh, time as they personally think they need to. Like it, it's a good setup and a good framework for a really good. Ah, Lars is seven point five. Oh, really? Because of dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> that dialogue did, over music. Yeah, that did kind of that did kind of hinder what I personally think would have made it much higher for me, mm-hmm. but it's not enough to make me drop it any lower. I think. So next up is One Punch Man. You this was another series <laughs> that you dropped. I, I usually don't do that. Like mm-hmm. um, I, like when a show well, I don't know when a show's bad, I'll usually just keep watching it. Uh, but it, with with One Punch Man and uh, Fairy Gone, I just kind of got bored with it. So I uh, before you get on to explaining uh, your feelings of One Punch Man, I the biggest complaint I had was that. It wasn't even the art. The art wasn't the biggest complaint I had. I thought there was actually a lot of cool moments where the art was pretty cool. It was the the wittiness of the dialogue. Like, Saitama never had that, like, snappy comedy that he had in the first season. Um, the characters just didn't... like the, I think it was the writing, because the voice actors were still mostly the same. Yeah. Uh, the characters didn't, like, jump out at me like they did in the, in the first season. Um, I will say that uh, Metal Bat, I think, was probably, like, one of the most interesting ones to me. But that was like half an episode mm-hmm. uh, and all that. I think I watched up to like episode seven and then all I right. ended up dropping it. Yeah, I I will give you that because I think that I personally think that uh, that plot wise, I'd say that this is a little bit that it's a little bit tighter than the first season. Because like the first season, let's be real, was mainly just setting up Saitama and who he is as a person. This one feels like a little bit more of like it's like this the world is getting a little bit more epic. You're like because we get the introduction introduction of our first like actual like villain uh, in Garo, and Garo is a fascinating character actually. I'd say that he's probably one of the better like he's one of definitely one of the reasons I kept watching this show because Garo is a legitimately cool character. Like what I think about Garo is he's very like you find out that his motivations are kind of are kind of similar to Saitama's in a degree. They're similar but different. I guess the best way of describing them is they're kind of like a a twisted representation of what Saitama wants to be. Saitama wants to be like a symbol of wants to be like a symbol of justice or symbol of peace kind of all all might basically for people to rely on and stuff. That was his big dream. Like that's what he wanted. He wanted some and Garo was kind of like that for a little while. He wanted to be... The reason why he liked monsters so much is because they're like the underdogs. They're the people that nobody really pays attention to. They're the they're the outcasts, the losers, the ones that everybody kind of sets aside. The ones that nobody really understands. It's kind of like an underdog story for him. Yeah, exactly. And he, and he finds sympathy in that. And it's not just the fact of the monsters. It also translates to his view on people because... People who are popular have, like in his experience, have always tended to be assholes and always take, and would, and people would always take the side of the popular characters, no matter how, or popular people, no matter how actually reprehensible they were, no matter how much, no matter how much good or, or good intention the underdogs were, like, 
because he pointed out like there are other monsters who had just wanted to like stop pollution in the ocean stuff like that actually had good intentions behind their actions and why they did what they did nobody ever noticed that nobody ever cared and people would just automatically side with people who wanted to be heroes just because they were the heroes and he that kind of frustrated him as a person and it kind of made and it's sort of what kind of shaped his his well-intentioned but ultimately twisted worldview he is very much like stain in that regard which i personally think is really cool because stain's a great character so what do you feel about the action uh scenes near the end or you know all of them um, really I'd say that I'd say that some of the action scenes they were still a little janky, but not uh, they were not complete hot garbage like as some of the earlier ones were. And I'd say that 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 it certainly made it more underwhelming to watch, though. Like, and it's kind of the shame because while uh, while one it, the author of the manga is not known for having like amazingly detailed artwork or ever, you can still feel like that impact, that energy, that passion in his work, and moreover this kind of felt sort of like lifeless kind of going through the motion sort of deal which ultimately i think is what this season was tight plotting aside that's ultimately this was kind of more of a lifeless imitation rather than something people were really passionate about and it's a shame too because there's a lot of really good stuff in here yeah i will say that uh the best thing that one punch man season two has done for me uh, is well made me want to go read the manga <laughs> exactly because and, I know, like uh, based off of what you described and what I've heard, it sounds like a really interesting story, a really yeah. interesting arc. Yeah, because like I said, Garo is probably one of the best things to happen this season. Like he's a he's an incredibly fascinating, like relatively deep character. Like all the characters have like their really strange like. We talked a, like a little bit about this when we were talking about Fruits Basket. Like they seem like stereotypical cliche, but you start you kind of start to like realize and peel away and look at the nuances of these characters and realize why they are the way they are. And it's a it's a clever subversion on old tropes. It's it's just a shame there wasn't nearly as much passion. Like even if the even if the animation wasn't like cuz let's be real the animation will have never have been as good as the Madhouse productions. It, it, it just wouldn't have. Like, because there was just so much passion put into that. I'd say that even if this was, like, not as high quality animation, if, like, the passion was there, I would definitely be more willing to forgive it and be a lot more invested in this in this season of One Punch Man. Because content-wise, and it's all there, but it was just kind of lacking that panache, that passion, that oomph, really. Like, there's just... The punch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just... It's kind of a shame. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't, like, a complete show-ender. I was still willing to watch it at the end. And at the end of the day, I'd still give it... I still give it a, like, a high seven, seven and a half. Because... All right, all right. I, because at the end of the day, I can't really hate the content. I But it just feels like a really... It's like someone was telling you a good story, but in a bad way. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's the best way that you can describe it, really. Because, And if nothing else, it made me realize, you know, maybe I want to read the manga. Like, And this is coming from someone who doesn't really read manga anymore. So I that's what I have to say about it. All right. Uh, next up, we're talking about the rising of the shield hero. Turned out to be a very whelming series. <laughs> it Like, let's get this out of the way. 
did not hate this series. Like, no. by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't think it was a bad series. I didn't think it, it was absolutely an amazing series. It was an enjoyable series. It's a good example of uh, isekai junk food. Yeah. Something that, that you just keep eating and you're like, huh, this is alright. And you keep eating it anyways. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think that this had some really, like, this had some really good moments. And it did definitely have some kind of, like, interesting subversions on some of the old isekai uh, quart... Uh, no, I was about yeah. to say isekai quartets. Um, um, uh, isekai cliches. The, uh, the the beginning of the series, yeah, it was really interesting when they brought in Fumi to be you know, the isekai protagonist. And then they fucking, you're a rapist, get out! Yeah, and seeing like and seeing like how he kind of learns to overcome this in a relatively novel and fascinating way, that mm. all was really cool. Like, how do you build yourself from the ground up when nobody's really given you a chance? Like, and how does it kind of change you as a person? Like, and we kind of see that he's that he's still kind of an asshole at the mm. end, but he's at heart, he's not a bad person. Yeah. The 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 places where the show did stumble is a lot of the emotional um scenes. Like like Back to when Nafumi first used the rage shield, it was very like like the the scene it played was him like oh yes use your anger yeah give in to the dark side and he's like I'm mad I hate everything all these characters I love are gone it's like you knew them for like five days yeah like it's it was definitely it was definitely an awkward way to introduce what should have been like a world shattering thing like the curse yeah. series because like the rage shield is certainly a devastating force. And we've seen that with the blood sacrifice thing. That was actually very brutal to watch when we first saw it. Yeah. Like, but, but moreover, this series just has had a huge problem of it. Not really like people. I think a big problem with it is people hyped it up to be like this. Oh, so amazing thing. And it just couldn't live up to the expectations. Exactly. Yeah. There was so much push for this show. Crunchyroll's pushing it really hard. Uh, back when it was first being introduced. Uh, Kitsu was pushing the hell... Like, people on Kitsu were pushing the hell out of it, saying yeah, that, like how amazing the, yeah. the source material was. Which, and which maybe, maybe the source, And maybe yeah. the source material is better, but based solely on the anime adaptation itself, as the anime stands, it's good. It's yeah, nothing, it's, it's above average. It's nothing great, but it's a good series. It's, it's better than Sword Art. It's, it's certainly... <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly... It's, you certainly could do much worse. Yeah. And, like... And when you're when going in for like some of the subversive things, they actually did pretty well. But on the other hand, there's just some things that just kind of fell into a lot of those really boring cliches that we've Ma seen. Time like the fact that all of his party members are female. Yeah. <laughs> and and, they, and them, they all have a thing for him. And all yeah, all of them want to bang him pretty much. It's yeah. it, it's and then the fact that they're actually trying. It seems like the. I don't know if this is true. Apparently the director is trying to set it up to where him and Ralph Talia end up together. I hope that's not the case. Mainly because... Well, as of now, like, they, they might do it later when when they when it's earned more. Yeah. Personally, I hate that will-they-won't-they they shit when it's dragged on for way too long. Like, looking at Inuyasha yeah. for my disdain for that nonsense. But it's... But the big... But the other big sin of that is it. that's a story we've seen a million times. Like... We've seen it time and time and time again. It's just, when it's done well, it's done well. Don't get me wrong. Like, one of my favorite series is Toradora, and it does that, and it does that will-they-won't-they they stuff prettier, like, throughout most of the series. I still love it. But maybe that's because I'm biased towards Toradora. I'll admit that. But at the same time, the romance in this series, or 
romance isn't really one-sided yeah which if they just had settled it as no they're not getting together maybe ralph talia should stop getting her hopes up then i'd be more i'd have more truck with it but i just i don't know like they're playing their cards to what the major audience is yeah with that of people want to see ralph talia like uh, they, they want the girls to like want to love the guy Pretty yeah, much. and now Fumi isn't a bad protagonist. Yeah, like, Interruptality is not a bad character. No, she isn't. <laughs> like, I, it's just like the combination is kind of. And I good. kind of, and I, I like the fact that Raftalia has. I kind of under, and I understand why Raftalia has those feelings for him. They're, they're, they're not completely alien to me. I understand why. It's she, almost hero worship. Yeah, th- that's almost exactly what it is. And I because she because he is the one who literally saved her life. Like, and the previous inc- uh, incarnations of the shield hero were always like the hero to the the animal people. Yeah, the demi humans, and so there's a lot of stuff that makes sense there. But at the same time, it's just one of those things that I hope that it just doesn't devolve into full on romance. It would just be to me, it'd be a little creepy, considering he did purchase her as a slave and shit. Yeah, uh, I I really liked the progression. Of them being master and slave to slowly becoming friends. Yeah. I thought that was done really well because it was a really uncomfortable, bad relationship at first. Because he would, he would literally be like, oh, you're not listening to me. I'm going to fucking activate your shot caller. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't, I I don't like how rough Talia got the slave crest back. That, that was super (laughs) like... No, don't do that. Yeah, that's like, like that's uh, it's like that's not overly un- attached girlfriend. It's like that's not unstable or anything. Yeah, she could have just all. got a tattoo that wasn't a slave tattoo. Like it could have just been like it looked the exact same, but didn't actually have the enchantment on it. Yeah, that way they still could have had like the emotional attachment and the reminder of it, but not the physical shock collar. It, it's sort of like how some people, like one of the general remind, like one of the general rules for getting tattoos that I personally abide by is never get a tattoo of like a significant other's name mm-hmm. just just don't do that never know the relationship's gonna work out. exactly like just no don't do that that's really dumb but anyway so we ranted about that for a while i will say the ending actually was not too bad i liked how now fumi like bought the rights and became mm-hmm. the local lord to that the town that rough Tali was originally from yeah that was actually a really cool gesture the ending was a really strong callback to the beginning parts of the series that i really liked which was just nafumi going around you know slowly building himself up as a traitor and then all that cultivating finally in the end all like the all the people he's helped and all the hands he's you know traded with finally worked out to him actually being able to just hell purchase e- a village hell even the slave trader from the very beginning yeah. showed up in the village <laughs> i guess not purchase a village but it was given the village yeah he, well he he got the rights to the land which yeah. was really cool and he was the local lord of that province and i'd say that a lot of that stuff was i liked how well that was handled i don't and how he is basically setting it up to the world basically leaving without him and then of course you have like what I personally think Raftalia is stupid. No, I don't want you to go thing. Like that whole speech and just like, okay, girl, you're going to have to get over that eventually. Or like one way or the other, he's going to leave. He's either going to leave and go back to his home world, which is personally what I would hope for, or he's going to die. No, oh, we don't know that really. Like he could end up staying, you never know. I, I'm like, but I'm, my point being, even if he stays, he's going to die. Well, everyone's, I, well, what was it? Demi-humans have a longer lifespan? 
I think so. I don't know. I, I think demi-humans age depending on how much experience and shit they have. They visually age mm. based on that. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I know that demi-humans have some degree of advantages over regular people. But anyway. Everyone's going to die. Yeah. Anyway, so all that aside, I give this a seven and a half. I would give it a seven. Yeah, we pretty much already hashed out the reasons why. Like, the show wasn't bad. It wasn't, like, anything absolutely fantastic the way some people were. I'd say it were. was good. It was good. It was an enjoyable watch. I didn't hate watching it every week. There were some, thing, there were some episodes that I just kind of rolled my eyes and went, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Shit like that. But other than that, I enjoyed myself. This was certainly a show that you could have done much worse with. You could have done a lot better with, but you could have done a lot worse with. So next up on the list, Sarah Zanmai. I, the conclusion of this was about what I expected it to be, to be totally honest. Like, this, like, the series, like, never let up on how weird and when, like, how weird it was. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it just kept getting weird. It's, I, it's, it actually remained about a consistent level <laughs> of weird throughout. Yeah. It never got, like, more weird. It never got less weird. It was just weird. So a really quick note I want to bring up is that the director uh, of the of Sodas on My, when he pitched the show to um, TV studios, he didn't he never brought up butts mm. at all or like butt jewels. He just brought up the show about like uh, these guys, these kids having uh, emotional problems. You know, they're growing up and they're having to dealing with all this sudden problems and. I don't know all the all the details he gave them, but he didn't give them the details about the butts. Uh, but it still got a pass anyways, even though that that was revealed. He pulled, I heard about that. He pretty much pulled an Animaniacs, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is absolutely freaking brilliant. I mean, like, this show had such a weird premise behind it, but I was intrigued every week I was yeah. watching it. I, I was really sucked into the first episode, and I was like, oh my god, this is this animation is absolutely amazing it blew me away i hope you're ready to see it for the next 11 weeks yeah that that like took a point off i think Uh, i got a whole point um off of the review for me was just seeing that exact same animation scene just slightly changed yeah for like five or six episodes it was like it was really amazing the first time not so much the second time and then event and after that you just just... kind of are wanting to fast forward through it exactly yeah like it never quite got that bad, personally, for me. Like, I certainly kind of tuned out a little bit during that, because I'm like, okay, we've seen this before. But realistically, like I brought up, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, the uh, of like the ridiculously, like, drawn-out, like, uh, transformation sequences that you see in every other Magical Girl show, which, given, given this... Uh, author's track or this director's track record it makes sense why he went for this approach it's it serves as a kind of an homage to that kind of stuff which it's obnoxious to watch but at the same time like but i mean and i appreciate i appreciate it but at the same time it's still kind of obnoxious to watch i agree with that i will say the one good side from it is that it gave them more time to work on everything else in the show which the character drama in this show was fucking brilliant yeah it was a lot of really uncomfortable topics yeah, like, like, just, like, what do you do when you have, like, when you've got a crush on somebody and they don't like you back and you're, and it's bordering on obsession and how creepy that is. Yeah, that whole cross-dressing reveal when they finally oh, learned God. it was him in front of his family and he that, just stormed out. That, oh. that was, that was really tough to yeah. watch. Um, and, and then he immediately went into an escape. 
Mm-hmm. Like he, he got turned into a cap and he's like, maybe being Kappa is better. I'll just stay like this forever. Oh, God. It was, it, it that was really uncomfortable. Like, uh, seeing, like, how he was willing to throw everything away. Like, just, mm-hmm. like, that was also super uncomfortable. And then Toy, like this, or Kuji, like the scene with him and his brother when his brother finally uh, bit the dust. And him basically, like, just, like, seeing, like, how, had their circumstances been different you could have really seen uh, Kuji's older brother being a like a good older brother. He could have been a really good person, like because he was somebody who always supported his younger brother's dreams, always wanted mm-hmm. the best life for his younger yeah, brother. Yeah, we got we didn't even get like a flashback really. We just got like a couple pictures of them, you know, like going to festivals together, and... like and just seeing and just seeing like him buying him his first soccer ball and mm-hmm. stuff. Like it was like, and it's just kind of tragic because you know. You know the only reason his brother did what he did is because he wanted to make his younger... Is because that was the tragic conclusion he'd gotten to at the end. He realized that his parents got screwed over, and so it kind of led him to believe that only bad people... Like, bad things always happen to good people, Mm -hmm. so... Might as well not be a good person if yeah, nothing that, matters. That, that was the one survival strategy he knew worked. Yeah, I, just, and I love the ending. Uh, when of he just that part when he just threw the money away. That was uh, well. Um, I mean, before uh, Toy was that the older brother? Uh, no, uh, the older brother was not named Toy. Toy is the younger brother. What was the... I don't remember the older. But they, the, name. the older brother when when he gets shot and he's like, "I'll call an ambulance." He's like, "It won't make a difference." Hmm. Uh, I think that was the moment where he finally just realized, like. Okay, my little brother is probably gonna go to jail, and he's gonna have to deal with shit for a while. But if I'm out of the picture, and at least he won't get dragged into this like, further. Like he's not like he's done some really really shitty things, like using a like using a middle schooler as a human shield. Yeah, like he's I, done I some not pretty defend what he's done. Like, but I can understand what led him to believe yeah. that that was the only way. Like, and. I don't think he was a legitimately terrible person. No. Not the way that he personally thought he was. I, I loved his final... Like, the final thing he said was just, like, use this to feed yourself. Like, that was his last concern, was getting his brother food like, to survive. It, it's, it ultimately <laughs> was the, the one thing that he wanted his brother... He just wanted his brother to be okay in the end. And it was it was tragic. It was sad. I, I really liked that scene. I... I love that interact like that dynamic between the two of them. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt real and tangible and sad. I just and then of course like when uh, Kuji shows up and he basically points the gun at Kazuki and says, "Use the gold dish and give me the gold dish. I'm wishing my brother back." Like, but he but he wishes Enta back. Oh, uh, uh, I really like the subplot with the two cops. Oh yeah, Rayo and Mabu. Yeah, that was okay. Early on, it was like the uh, they were kind of just tied into the okay, it's them. They're here again. They're singing the exact same song. Um, and they're like they're the ones responsible for yeah. Like, the, they're like uh, oh, they're summoning the bad guys. I don't care about them at all. But uh, once they revealed the whole plotline of um, Mabu dying, yeah, and then being brought back by the Otter Empire, yeah, which is <laughs> ridiculous. That's, that's something that's... I'm saying seriously. The Otter Empire. <laughs> uh, but just the, the how they gave him that like mechanical heart, and then where he were... could, was forbidden to say "I love you" to the person he did yeah. love, and how and how that ultimately put a damper on their relationship because like because Mabu really did care for Rayo, like that was obvious. They cared for each other. Mm-hmm. That was like such a slow burn of slowly revealing like like who they were and how they came to that. 
like that, that yeah. part it's just that whole slow burn after we got past the i think it was like the point where they shot um enta, enta was yeah. like the main main point where we really started learning about them yeah and then and then also on top of that like figuring out like the scene when uh when mabu finally sacrifices himself and reo is like like basically slowly starting to forget who he was and stuff like that 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 shit was tragic also reo um voice actor is uh okabe oh okabe. yeah oh my god that's he is holy yeah. shit i never stopped to i looked up a while that. ago because um uh, you can tell whenever he like screams yeah that's that's very true that's that's really fascinating though but yeah i liked i liked that like and i was kind of right on some of my predictions early on like Cappy didn't really turn out to be the bad guy like i was expecting but like i guess it didn't expect co- him to be a qb kind of thing yeah that's what i was <laughs> that's what kind of what i was thinking and that's was kind of half true with the existence of dark Cappy. yeah the whole kappa otter war was so over the top ridiculous but like, it worked in the end like it's like i kind of want to know more about this <laughs> But, yeah, they played it off super seriously near the end, and I think they they did like the, it. It worked out really well because they played it off seriously. Yeah, exactly. I mean this this entire series, it just and then of course that like that that final sequence where it uh, where Kepi and Dark Kepi finally reunite and they show um uh, Kuji, Kazuki, and Enta like a future basically where it's just like anything that can go wrong does go wrong. Like Kuji like quitting the team and like. Uh, Kazuki breaking his leg just bad things happening left and right and just like how there's the possibility that their friendships might be frayed and how in spite of that they still decide to be friends and that they want to be a part of each other's lives Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important message to send to people it's very uh it's very end of Evangelion with that congratulations well no no, that's the normal ending yeah (laughs) which that which that ending like like debates about that aside whether it was better or not just uh, but the point being is like it was the same kind of realization of people realizing they're gonna hurt each they're going to hurt each other like people are just going to hurt each other that's every day is not gonna be happy and it's just but it's better to live with that and still learn to and learn how to get past hurting each other and stuff like that how to not hurt each other as severely it's better to it's better to have done that and lived than rather to have not existed at all and i think that's a a great message to teach yeah it was a really cool ending just seeing them all jump off the bridge and and yeah that's just like as soon as he gets out of uh, juvie the, the first people that go to see him yeah. But she was in there for like three years, I think. Something like that. He was in there from like the beginning of middle school to the like his beginning of high school, which I like that because it was like you like even despite the fact it's like, you know, he killed like five people, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe three people. It's cool knowing that he's gonna get a fresh start without yeah. without his And even the and even the uh the cop that was watching over him acknowledges that. It's like this is the start of your new life. Don't mess this up. Yeah. It it was a nice change of pace, and I'm I'm really like I'm happy where the series ended. Like it was a good it was a good conclusion to a pretty damn good series. I'm I don't want to forget about this series, and I don't think I will. It was a it was a satisfying conclusion. It's gonna be hard to forget about it with how di- ridiculous it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So 
that, like I was saying earlier, that very repetitive first four episodes definitely brought it down a mark for me. Mm-hmm. But that aside, I would give this show like an eight. I would also give it an eight, mainly for the same reason you did, because uh, the repetitiveness did get boring, but the the character drama and the writing and stuff was all really well handled. The uh, the after credit scenes were always like delivered like a new fresh shock every week to where. It was basically like kind of Marvel shit setting you up where it's like, you got to stay until after the credits. Something is going to happen. I hate that. I hate <laughs> after credit scenes. Because <laughs> like the credits are, it's like the credits are rolling. Okay, I'm done. I can go get up and pee and I don't have to watch it anymore. And then, yeah, it's like all of a sudden credits. Better check the duration of the episode to see if it's got anything <laughs> added on at the end. I, I originally didn't actually watch the part where uh, Toy's Little Brother got shot. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. an after credit scene. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then him throwing the money into the mm-hmm. water. That, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, eight for me. So next up is Senryu Girl, uh, which was, this was another short form show. And it was a perfect example of don't overstay your welcome. Yeah. the show had so many, like, good small jokes that if they were gone on for slightly too much longer, they would have gotten, they, everything would have easily gotten old. Um, but, like. The thing is, we got to see each of these characters in such a short amount of time. They were super blown up. Like, all their uh, personality quirks were, like, turned out into overdrive. But because it was only 12 minutes a week, um, it was just a fun watch. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. This, uh, like, this series, like, none of the characters were, like, ridiculously new. But they were all, but they were all fun to watch. Like, Busajima just being like that... Like that tough guy, that tough guy delinquent who's actually, yeah, who's actually turns out to be a really nice guy who's just prone to misunderstandings. Very uh, Ryuji Takasu from uh, Toradora. Um, that's all really refreshing. It's a novel approach to have a girl who only communicates in haiku poetry. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting take. On I, it. And then and then some of the and then all the character designs and the stuff were so fucking cute. Yeah, I love the art about the show. I loved it so much. I, I loved uh, I loved the drawing girl. I forget her name, but she yeah. like she was absolutely adorable. Like just had having uh, drawings for expressions. Right <laughs> the and then even like little sp- and she went right in her own speech bubbles. Yeah. And shit. <laughs> like I, I just I love that. And then like the the club president who tries way too hard to get these two together and uh, or and to get a boyfriend yeah she she's kind of she's kind of a lost cause i think i i hope things work out for mm. her because it was a surprisingly cute romance yeah and or then budding romance i should say exactly because that's it's definitely one of those more of those uh, one of those will they won't they things and i've said before like yeah it does get annoying at times when that's the only thing you ever see but when it's done well it's done well and here the characters are endearing enough and it's cute and i i think they kind of strip like the fact that it's a short form show they kind of strip away a lot of the bullshit so you can just mm-hmm. kind of focus on like the the key moments and if it ever was if they ever did continue this series like i think the manga is still ongoing and uh if they ever did continue the series where they eventually do become a couple and they start doing couple things, I'd really appreciate that. Because that actually... I'd love to see these two doing couple things. It's super yeah. fucking cute. A, a big part of the hook for the show, I think, is the charm of the characters. Yeah, exactly. In these situations. Busajima and uh, Nanako are both adorable. They're both... Not to mention, like, Nanako's family is... I, I absolutely... Nanako's dad is one of the best side characters. <laughs> Just, he's like that overprotective dad turned up to fucking 11. 
Oh, it's such a drama queen. Uh, yeah, and the mom is way more down to earth, and I appreciate that. It's 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 hilarious. And then Ag's younger, and then Ag's younger sister being way. Are more, you her? Are you his mistress? Yeah, being way more <laughs> mature for her age than she should be. I just everything about this show is just mm. so charming. Yeah. The ending was such a nice note too. How we got the backstory of how they 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 originally started communicating through the the scenery on the wall. Yeah. Like, and just like him, like kind of realizing, you know, I like Senryu. I'm not good at it. And I know that I'm not good at it really, but I still want to try it. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then like she, Nanako like got so attached to him because he's, he, he didn't think she was weird. Yeah. For writing poems all the time to talk with. Exactly. Like it was, it was just so cute. It, it was, it was, it was a wholesome thing. And just kind of realizing it's like, cause we, the audience knew it's like, Oh, that's AG for sure. Like that's her, who her pen pal is like, mm-hmm. there was no, there was no like surprise there. Like we knew who it was from the beginning, but at the same time, like seeing her slowly kind of how really, earnest she was about it. Yeah. It, it, there was something really charming about it and figuring out it's like, Oh, okay. So that's how they started getting to know each other. I can kind of understand why, she's infatuated with him and why and vice versa because the two of them are like you can tell it's not a surprise Mm -hmm. but i would love to see more of this show personally or read more of the series i'd love to see more of these these two actually like eventually get together and actually do couple things that would be cute so at the end of the day, I think I would give it a seven and a half. I would also give it a seven and a half because it's a short form show. Like it's not, it doesn't do anything groundbreaking, but it's, it's charming. Yeah. It's cute. I absolutely it's, adore it's it. It's a fun show every week. Fun 12 minutes. Indeed. So last up on our list today is Yarogame-chan, uh, Observation Diary. I almost said Kansatsuniki, which is like the like the official title for it. Yeah, but Japanese title. Yeah. Anyway, this was another one of those like kind of uh, relatively harmless like three minutes yeah. of your week. It had a, a really interesting quirk or uh, a selling point of like I think they made this show in correspondence to um, a an effort to get more people to to go to Nagoya to go to Nagoya. Yeah, like it was a big whole program they're having, and they're like, I'll make a three minute anime every week with a cute girl. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm guarantee that's almost exactly what it was because mm-hmm. anime is no stranger to basically creating shows to kind of make people want to do shit. Like you had Sweetness and Lightning. It's like have more children, please. Mm-hmm. Laid back camp and laid back camp. <laughs> get out and fucking camp, you weebs. And probably this season or uh, summer seasons. Uh, how heavy are the dumbbells you lift? Get out and fucking exercise. Just all sorts yeah. of shit. Like anime is not particularly uh, is not particularly trans is not particularly hiding or on what it's trying to do. It's pretty yeah. obvious what it's trying to do. I-, I will say that this show did succeed in making me more interested. I actually like looked up the place to see um, like how it actually matched up. Like there's a lot of places they went to, like the um, the big like the uh, big clock. In the yeah. mall and the, everything, you know, like the one that's that's totally not Akiba. Like, yeah, <laughs> and no, I agree. Like that made me more uh, interested in uh, in Nagoya as a prefecture and stuff. And it would make me like I wouldn't. I don't want to lie. I'd definitely go there, like just to see the place. Yeah, at least once I, I love at the beginning of every episode. They're like, yeah, this is this program is a is filled with love for Nagoya and it's biased. So yeah. <laughs> take it as uh, just a love letter. Exactly. I I I think the show did a great job in doing what it set out to do. Really, mm. like it was. Like, the series never complete. Once, like with Senryu Girl, it never overstayed its welcome. 
Like yeah, it, the, it never the main did. character was very a very good just self insert. Exactly, much. just like and he would, but he was never like ridiculously annoying. Or no, like he either. felt like he should have been there. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Like he felt like he felt genuine in how mm-hmm. he was presented. Like all the characters were kind of stereotyped. Like Nago- like uh, Yadagame Chan's like ridic- like high uh, accent and stuff like that. Like very thick uh, Nagoyan accent, shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, and that was all played up obviously for comedy. But in the end of the day, it was a really cute show, very enjoyable one, very innocuous way to spend three minutes each week. Agreed. Yeah. I give this about a six and a half because it wasn't quite, it didn't quite like ever get into like a Joshi Kause like yeah. levels where it actually delved into serious territory. Yeah, I agree. Did it yeah, I'd well. probably give it like a six and a half as well. Yeah, it's, it was a, it was just a good solid way to spend three minutes each week. And uh, with that, that is the, uh, the score for all the shows that we watched in spring 2019 yeah it's it's still a little it's getting a little hot out it doesn't matter i'm never gonna be good at fucking remembering what that is yeah exactly plus i'm just trying to give you a little bit of an out you could be a little bit more appreciative you (laughs) asshole i'm kidding so uh next up uh we're gonna be talking about uh our favorite stuff that uh we had going through the entire season starting off with uh favorite opening what is your favorite opening of spring 2019 you know, I had a little bit of a difficulty trying to decide here. Like, but at the end of the day, I just got to pick Sarah's on my opening. I don't remember the name of the song, but holy crap, this opening was just so fun, energetic, and the visuals were so quirky. And it just got me like really pumped to watch each new crazy episode of this fucking yeah, was, absolutely a, insane show. It, it was a good, it was a good bop. Yeah, exactly. I I'd also just like that style of music, like just very like high, Punky, yeah, punk rock high kind energy of. kind of punk music yeah and the visuals are really cool too yeah exactly like seeing all the characters doing the pose yeah which and then seeing like them like dashing across the water and shit like that as kappa it it was just a really fun like Mm -hmm. energetic op original animation ops are usually really good yeah when they they don't just take like cuts from the show exactly so what about you what was your favorite op uh mine was uh koyoi mofu mofu the uh, opening for Senko Song, which, oh, yeah. which was sung by the um, the, the voice actors for Senko and Shiro. Oh uh, yeah, like I, it, it was just so feel good. Like it, it felt like someone was taking cotton candy and injecting it into my veins. <laughs> you you might get diabetes if you did that, but it's, this is the kind of diabetes I'd be fine with. <laughs> Senko San diabetes. Yeah, it was just so like. I, I was bobbing my head side and side whenever I was watching it, and it's just... it's very it's very difficult to uh, to not like just feel good listening mm-hmm. to that op. And there were some pretty damn good ops this season, like uh, like the like my personal uh, like even Sarazanma, even though that one out a quick runner up was actually Fruits Basket op for me. I, it's just such a like and talk that's, about two different endings yeah, of the spectrum i'd say that's definitely my runner-up too yeah because it's just such a it's such like a kind of somber melancholy but also like nostalgic and kind of happy it really sets you up for the show it just feels really nice watching it but at the end of the day i just could not get over how good sarah's on my op was mm-hmm. It, it was just so much fun and really primed you for the type of show that it was going to be just completely over the top and batshit insane. Uh, so on to favorite EDs, though. This one was also a little bit tough for me, and I might might surprise a few people with this. I actually have to say uh, the uh, Name of Love, the song from Attack on Titan, like season three. That is probably my favorite ED. 
that had some really well it was really not only like a calm nice song or like it sounded like it uh but the visuals are really cool just the flashbacks like it's like we talked about this once again a little bit off mic because the other day we had just listened to like all the fucking ops and eds from uh this season and also some stuff from the past that really came to mind but this one, it just, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of Red Swan, which was the opening, which was the opening for season three, part one, which that was probably my favorite opening from this series. And that's a good thing in my book because all this stuff from Attack on Titan recently, like the opening for this arc just felt like it's just okay. It's good, but it's more of the same. Yeah, it's like... It, um, like it's just it's the same song Link to Ryzen. Yeah. it's it's just a different part of the same song that's that's all it is like but is that bad no it's quite good but i just liked this because it really set up like just the journey these characters and by proxy the audience have all been on and just kind of looked on days before everything got way more complicated everything got way more awful for everyone involved because you got to see like them in training camp and just when days were just way more simple the story was way more simple and not yeah, nearly as back when all we cared about was killing titans exactly <laughs> and it's just and it's just kind of like a a harrowing reminder of what once was and just realizing you know we'll never have those days back it's it's very it's a very fitting ending to the, also this arc mm-hmm. just because in general like just like we said before the part in this series ended on it's just like a well we can never go back to who we once were but anyway that's my favorite ed how about yourself uh i gotta put another tick in the starters on my box of uh, um stand by me by the peggies okay not that... only do i fucking love the peggies mm-hmm. um they make really kick-ass like uh i don't know the way to put it like new age rock or yeah or something like that uh but yeah this the song is really good and also the like laser light visuals they put on over like um, like real life like real life like imagery right yeah yeah it was like um tokyo i think just yeah like real life tokyo streets how they just yeah and then they put like the characters over it yeah and they, they merged 2d 3d and 3d really well in that opening yeah it didn't ending, it didn't really it didn't really like look too jarring or anything either like it looked pretty damn good like i was impressed by that and i agree and it was very and that was and that was kind of my runner up because just because like you said it was just really well done with how it executed on that but at the same time i just i love that ending and it was sort of reminds me of those uh it reminds me of any other series that has like had a really good like lead in to like you know something bad is happening. Yeah. When you hear the like dun 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 kick yeah. in and then the, the ending starts. And then like and just and unlike things like that has done it like most famously with JoJo's roundabout, but uh how uh like you know that as soon as like the final note on this plays, there's just a little bit more around the horizon. Because like I'm pretty convinced just about every episode of this series had an after credit scene. Like, every single yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, so, it kind of, like, led into uh, the ending in, like, a opposite way. Yeah. How the ending would always lead into, like, the after credit scene. Yeah, exactly. And I really appreciated that. It was a really strong yeah, ending. And, and a really, really strong contender. Song. Yeah. Really good, really tragic. And just a, when you knew, like, something bad was about to happen or... Something really, like, feels he was about to punch you in the stomach. So, going down to a low note, 
biggest disappointment of the season? Well, my biggest disappointment is, uh, unsurprisingly, I was going to originally, like, try and mislead people, but unsurprisingly, it's Fairy Gone. Yeah, that's mine too. Like, and we've already talked about a little, yeah. a little bit about it. But, I was thinking One Punch Man, but, but I didn't really go in with that high expectations. Yeah, because once you saw the trailer, yeah. you were just like, okay, the anime, and you'd already kind of primed yourself a little bit. Like, it's like, okay, I'm going to try and judge this as its own separate anime yeah, and stuff. But, but Fairy Gone, like, I liked the first couple episodes. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And... Like, One Punch Man was also on that for me, but at the same time, I actually, as someone who actually bothered to finish One Punch Man and actually sees, like, the merit in it and stuff in the second season and recognize that despite its flaws, it's not a really bad series, but Fairy Gone is just disappointing. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it went from kind of a fascinating setting to slightly more boring to just but yeah like why am i like you are not even gonna finish like even finish <laughs> watching this first core i'm probably not going to pick up the second core like i just i know that i'm not going to like it once again unless this series does something really outstanding then i'm not going to pick up a second mm-hmm. uh, like the second core I'm, I'm just not going to so on to biggest surprise this season Mine is no question Fruits Basket. Oh, really? Because I heard it was like, okay, yeah, people like this. It's good. I thought people would like it in the same way that, you know, like, oh, yeah, I watched Oran when I was a kid. That was pretty good. I like Oran is very good. Yeah, um, but just kind of like that. Uh, it, it, in my head, it was in that, like, uh, fangirl show us uh, uh, yes, area yes, of shows yes. like because you know for a lot of people like fruits basket was probably one of the first series that these people watched or first mangas they ever mm-hmm. read so you probably thought that it was going to be one of those series that wouldn't quite live up to the hype maybe um yeah 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 because because it felt like it had like a rabid fan base a lot yeah. growing up it was kind of one of those shows i avoided a little bit because the fan base was so obnoxious um i kind of was in a similar boat because i watched the like a little bit of the first episode with somebody who was really trying to push the first episode Were they like looking over at you like every five seconds to see how you're reacting to it uh kind of yeah i hate that shit <laughs> and i and i was just like yeah i i never bothered to watch any yeah. more of it but it's amazing like it blew me away just so far with, with how it's going it deserves all the praise it had and i i don't regret not watching it before because i think i'm enjoying it probably i'm i'm enjoying it for the first time in a more polished form absolutely it's it's kind of in the same vein like uh for me like with full metal because i never watched full metal like the original full metal series and then i watched most of brotherhood and i watched a lot and i read the complete full metal manga so i i was able to enjoy and appreciate the manga in like its true form like as opposed to full metal 2003 i think is when it came out originally but anyway so how about you my biggest surprise was going to be fruits basket much of the same reason but I actually, this is going to be kind of strange, but like I said already, uh, episode 10 of Josie Kause, like I, and I, I, once again, I know that's absolutely strange <laughs> and absolutely fucking nuts, but like I said, just, just caught you that much off guard. I like, I just was not expecting that like a actually good, like dramatic episode from a series like that. Like mm-hmm. I just, like it just hadn't set me up for that at all. <laughs> And I was it, like, it didn't really feel out of place either. No, it didn't. Absolutely. And I think that's why it was so well like integrated and stuff. I was just like legitimately like, 
Aww. That's kind of <laughs> sweet. Like, I, like, I think that it's just, like, the fact that I'm still thinking on it and yeah. recognize the episode, like, the episode by the number is, like, a pretty get, big indication of how much of an impact that specific episode had on me. So Yeah, it's like, uh, just as a final callback to when we were talking about it, it would only be, like, uh... 40 minutes yeah. of your time to watch the, maybe that if, to watch the entire show exactly and <laughs> Just go back and watch it it's, it's good yeah absolutely it was a it was just a really really good like a uh, quick 10 like three minute episode for and just yeah that's a good surprise yeah it is it was a good surprise so last but not least favorite shows of spring 2019 I after much careful deliberation would have to go to Demon Slayer. Okay, that's that's a good one. Demon Slayer is a very, very good, mm-hmm. um, very good uh, shonen action series with some high production values. Really good music. It's it's Yuki fucking Kajra. So and uh, Lisa exactly. for the opening and ending. Oh yeah, that's right. You you actually brought that up. Like the ending, like it's not the same. It's no, not. It's the like same. Uh, fiction something. Yeah, no. Uh, it's it's a band doing the music and the Lisa's doing the vocals. Yeah, and it was. I really like. I really like this series. It's not personally yeah. my absolute I, favorite. It, it had a couple stumbles for me, like I was saying earlier, like with the, with some of the emotional bits. But even with that, I just. I was super excited to watch it every week. I, I love all the characters. Yeah. I, I already gushed about it earlier. Yeah, that's it's it's my favorite show of this season. And for me, after a very after a lot of deliberation, a very similar but different show actually is Dodo. Like, believe it or not, yeah, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise considering like for anybody that's ever uh read any of my stuff on Kitsu, like regard in regards to Dodoro. But uh I really thoroughly enjoyed this show just because, once again, much like with Banana Fish, it showed how it's not impossible to do, like, an adaptation of a classic property really well. Like, this series, like, in it, take it, it took, like, something that was kind of goofy and wasn't really sure of what it wanted to be when it originally came out because that was an... Because Dororo first came out in a sort of awkward transitionary page, uh phase for uh, Tezuka's work like he kind of wanted it to be more dark fantasy and serious but at the same time most people attributed him to some of his earlier works like Astro Boy and stuff like that which are way more cartoony and goofy mm-hmm. and he and this kind of took like a concept that was good and I think made it really damn good like and adapted it for a modern audience to where I think a lot of people can enjoy it like I was happy with the way this show ended. I, with the exception of one episode, yeah. <laughs> like with the exception of one episode, I enjoyed watching this every week, kind of, kind of pondering on just like the themes that it presented and stuff. And just like the intro to the first, the intro to the first core party is over, but I still want to dance. <laughs> it, it, it was a great, it was a great show. And it definitely, while it was, and I don't think that it'll ever go down in history as like one of the best all-time classics or anything. At least for this season, it really meant something to me. And I think that's Yeah, I can it... see that. You you definitely like talking about it the most yeah, exactly. every week. Yeah. Uh, for good reason. There was a lot to there's a lot, lot to, to dis- take apart. Yeah, it it was a really good show with some really good themes, and it was a it was memorable. It's I 
I would like more people to watch it, but at the same time, Amazon paywall. So yeah. have fun with that. Yeah, that's uh, that is our final recollection of spring 2019. Hope you enjoyed listening to all of our opinions on these uh, whelming shows <laughs> for a whelming season. Uh, like we said earlier, there wasn't anything amazing. No tens. Yeah. A couple of oh, barely nines, mm-hmm. I think. Which is really good still. Like, yeah, like this season, like this season was not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Like this series, this season was not bad. It was not a blockbuster season, though. Exactly. Like, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to top it when the previous season was winter, and that was automatically setting up. It's like, okay, we've got some really good shit this season. Yeah, winter was a really really high level for anime. Exactly. And, and now we're going into summer, which seems closer to winter. Yeah, honestly, in terms of uh, quality and really like good just stuff. the amount of like blockbuster shit that we're releasing. Yeah. But anyway, that's all for our opinions. Feel free to leave some of yours in the uh, in the comments below. Like, what was some of your biggest surprises, biggest disappointments? Um, I'd be actually legitimately surprised if any of uh, anybody who's been listening to us lists something as their biggest disappointment other than Fairy Gone. <laughs> well, if anybody, I think a lot of people just stopped watching Fairy Gone really early on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's sort of like. Uh, it, it's just one of those things that maybe I was just too stubborn to freaking stop. Like, <laughs> like, and the fact that this was such a weird season for us as well, because, like, we tried to change a lot of our schedule and it just didn't work. Yeah. Got a little lazy near the end, I think, on some shows. Yeah, exactly. But... Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for hanging out for, uh, Spring 2019. Let's, uh, let's send it away and give it a Viking funeral. And uh, continue on to summer 2019. How appropriate, because Vinland Saga is currently Whoa, airing right Vikings! Now. Yeah, Vikings! <laughs> anyway, until next time, everybody. Anchor away and take care of yourselves. Bye!